Welcome to the 97th episode of the Cinefessions Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan, and joining me tonight are Ash Collins and Mark Nadeau. Ash, how the hell are you this evening? I'm good, thank you. And welcome to the first thing. <laughs> thank you. Oh, good. And how, how about you, Mark? Welcome back. We missed you last week, but... Uh, uh, I missed you guys. I yeah. It sucks missing an episode, so I'm very happy to be back here tonight. Getting uh, Melissa's house in order. I'm uh, getting my movers tomorrow morning, so I'm playing a bit of uh, a bit of uh, uh, sofa Tetris right now, trying to make sure I have enough room for all my boxes. So, right. <laughs> yeah, further to Tetris. Lots of fun when you're playing by yourself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what a pain in the ass moving always is. Just a bit. But I'm glad you're back. And uh, Ash won't admit it, but he's glad you're back too. So, you know, he won't admit it, but that's okay. Excellent. So tonight we are going to continue our Transformers arc with a review of Transformers Dark of the Moon. And Mark, uh, I know you watch it, so I'm going to ask you your thoughts on uh, the last one in just a couple minutes here. Um, And then we're going to be talking about the featured films from week three of the sixth annual Cinefashion Summer Screams Challenge. It came from out of spa- outer space from 1953. <laughs> I don't know. I just like, I, I dropped the R there like I was from Brooklyn for a second. It came from out of space. I don't know what the fuck I was doing. But anyway. Uh, and, Did and you the see ha- that? <laughs> and The Haunting from 1963. First though, let's talk about social media and how you can follow us outside of just listening to this here on the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Cinefessions. You can email us at contact at cinefessions.com. And finally, you can leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of an upcoming show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. We love uh, everything you could send us there. We definitely would like to hear it, all those questions, comments, and concerns. And also make sure you're following along on our Cinefessions Instagram account where Mark posts loads of reviews and media pickups, so definitely give that a follow if you haven't. And you can like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Cinefessions and check out our long list of past reviews and all 97 podcast episodes right on over at Cinefessions.com. And and the reason, as I said last week, the reason we love social media is because it gives us direct access to you guys, our listeners, who are so important to us. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us on any of those platforms to let us know you're listening and to let us know how we can improve or, or what else you'd enjoy hearing us talk about so that we can help keep our weekly episodes as interesting and engaging as humanly possible. Uh, do you want to see a new segment on the show each week? Each week, give us some suggestions. Should we get rid of a segment? Let us know. You have the power to help shape the show, so do not hesitate to use that with your feedback. And also, if you've been listening to us, and and more importantly, if you've been listening and enjoying what you're hearing, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes. I can't overstate how important iTunes is to a podcast's success, and the only way we can grow is with your help. So anyone who leaves us an iTunes review will be helping us out immensely. And so we thank you very much in advance for all of your support there. Finally, we are proud to tell you that this episode of the Cinefessions podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible's offering that free audiobook download with a 30-day trial so all of our Cinefessions listeners get an opportunity to check out their services. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or Kindle devices. So head on over to audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions to get your free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com backslash Cinefessions. And Mark, you weren't here last week, but... Uh, the phrase sinsters 
was totally coined last week, which I'm pretty happy about. That's uh, Cinefashion listeners. Ooh, I like that. That's right. C-I-N stirs. Thank you. Thanks to uh, Ash's better half over there. So Fantastic. So, Ash, speaking of you, what have you been doing? Actually, no. I lied. That was a lie. Ash, hold on one second. We're going to ask Mark first. Yes. I see Mark, how it is. Yeah. The Canadian comes back and you give him preference. <laughs> exactly. The exchange rate is better. Oh, I got to keep him happy. <laughs> uh, so what were your thoughts on uh, Transformers, whatever the fuck that subtitle was, uh, Revenge, Revenge of the Fallen? Revenge of the Fallen. Uh, you know what? So I watched it yesterday because yeah. <laughs> I uh, actually labeled one of my boxes, my Transformers box, so I could actually gain <laughs> – I knew which box to open up. It's um, dedication. Or, I love it. Or to – take with me uh mm-hmm. before the movers came um and you know what i liked it more than i remembered it to be um good and we'll discuss it more when uh, we talk about today's movie but uh mm-hmm. i'm enjoying the original three a lot more now okay. than i did then um the first half was actually really really funny yeah. um and i you know i didn't recall uh uh, John Turturro in the second one. I didn't. I didn't remember much of it. And same thing with the third one. I didn't remember much of it. Just that it was just okay. And uh, watching them um, back to back here, uh, I have a better appreciation for them. I thought some special fe- uh, special effects were a bit wonky in the second one, especially since you know the uh, the ending happens in the desert. I find that some of the at least for two thousand nine, um, some of the transformer effects didn't look as good during the daytime than the first film at night because the first mm. film is at night is it's, it's night based a lot more than the other ones. Um, and I think it's maybe to hide some of the CGI flaws. I found the flaws a little more apparent in two. Um, but I liked it again. I liked it more than I thought I, I did. Um, so actually I, I think I gave it three, three and a half stars out of five on the letterbox. So it'd probably be a solid three stars uh, out of four for us here. Um, not as good as the first. Um, and you know what? I, I still I don't like the two robots, uh, Mudflap oh, and Skids. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you guys all love those guys. I love um, them. I, I don't love them. I find them <laughs> amusing. There's a little bit of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I call uh, my coined uh, term for them or the ghetto bots because I'm like, mm. wow. They're just I I just did not like them at all. Um, funny enough, I liked them a little more now than I did when I first saw the film. There we go. And even the whole Constructicons, you know, combined for Devastator, and then you see the balls. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's funny, but I just think it's dumb. That's just it's Michael Bay's juvenile side popping up in the film because yeah. there's no need. Like, there's no need for that. And then to going, yeah, I'm under his balls right now. I'm like, ugh. And I didn't like the way it looked. And that's one of the problems with these films is I just don't like the G1 version or pardon me, the uh, the Michael Bay version of them, it's especially we'll discuss it more in, in today's film. But I just find, especially Decepticons, they're so generic looking because they're all silver. You know, uh, like, are there any that are like not silver or platinum or pewter or like gray based? Well, there was one that was red, right? Which well, I guess. That? In this yeah, one, at least. Of, one of the pieces of Devastator. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay, sure. But apart from that, all the other guys in the henchmen, they're all like gunmetal gray. And I just find it hard to kind of focus because I got no, I, I guess I got no uh, 
point for my eyes to actually like, like to zoom in on to actually mm-hmm. okay well that's the torso that's the leg you know what i mean because right. it's all sharp that's, angles that i i will give you that is a very valid complaint um 90 percent of the transformers fans on the transformers fan forums yeah don't like the michael bay movies it's because you don't know where one part ends and another begins yeah and like even today i noticed some stuff again we'll talk about later but i'm like oh that's cool but I didn't notice that the first time I see this on the big screen because I'm focused on on the actual story. And, you know, you, it's like you're trying to take in all at once. And maybe my brain's getting old, but I can't, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. So just some stuff I'm like, okay, who's fighting? And at least with the with the Autobots, they've got distinct paint jobs. So I know Prime's Prime, I know Bumblebee's Bumblebee. Some of the lesser known guys whose names you hear once. I'm not yeah. too sure, but at least for the main characters, like since they've survived these films so far, you know what you know. You know what to focus on, you know. But with these like Decepticon henchmen, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So again, yeah. When it comes to Dark of the, or pardon me, uh, Revenge of the Fallen, um, I kind of dug. And again, the Jetfire as the old uh, as the old uh, Blackbird. Is yeah, I liked him. Yeah, he was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so again, uh, I have a great appreciation for these films now than I did back then. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on that film. In the yeah, nutshell. I think we were all pretty much in agreement there. Like it was, uh, we, we all thought it was pretty good, but not as good as the first one. I know Ash gave it two stars. I gave it three and then obviously you're giving it three. So, yeah. um, yeah, pretty similar thoughts, uh, throughout, I guess mm-hmm. so far, but yeah. Um, excellent. Cool. Now, Ash, what have you done this past week? Oh, I don't know if I can share after that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Where I left off with Perfect Blue last week in mm-hmm. my foreign films. Um, I managed to cram another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more films in last week just nice. for foreign films. Uh, we wow. have 2016's Phantom of the Theater, which is a Chinese production. Um, set in, um, like the twenties or thirties. Um, that one was pretty good. Uh, the effects were decent. Uh, actually, the effects were really good. I was surprised. Um, the acting's okay and the story's interesting. It's kind of got this mystery supernatural twist going to it, which I liked. Um, but it's, I originally thought I was going to be like a ripoff of Phantom of the Opera and it's, mm-hmm. it, it's not, uh, but it has a similar idea behind it. Um, and then uh, I watched Evolution from 2015. Uh, Evolution from 2015. Oh, okay, I remember this one. Uh, the reason I don't remember this one much is it was a it's a French uh, body horror film, uh, kind of sci-fi body horror, um, and it just weirded me out because it, it, it's it's very slow, uh, but it is beautifully shot. Uh, so I will give it that. Um, it's it's kind of interesting. It's got some really fucked up elements to it, but it is slow as fuck. Um, so, and if you like your movies pretty and don't mind them developing and don't mind what little dialogue there is in French, uh, you know, give it a shot. Um, so let's see. After Evolution, we wa- I watched The Host, which is the Korean horror flick from 2006. I've been meaning um, to watch that. Yeah, it's been yeah. on my 2C list forever. 
Yes, that, that movie is amazing. It is a it is a horror comedy, more horror than comedy, but there's there's some great comedy bits into it. Um, there's a little bit of sci-fi to it too. Some of it's in English. Ninety percent of it is in Korean. The only reason some of it's in English is because they have actual like American soldiers there talking in English. Um, mm. But most of it is it's in Korean because it's Korean. Um, but uh, yeah, that one is excellent. I actually had a friend introduce me to that back in like 2007 or 2008 um and yeah it was fantastic uh still is still a great movie the effects are the effects are showing a little bit of age but overall they don't they don't dwell on the monster of the movie too much so it works um then i watched the secret of evil um which uh god what was that one <laughs> Secret of Evil is oh found footage international horror movie. That's right. I hated this one. <laughs> um, it's Spanish, and that's not why I hated it. I hated it because it was fucking dumb. Uh, it's basically like they. It's slow. It's boring. They even though it's a found footage film, the camera angles are terrible. You never see anything of what's going on. You. Hmm. It just it's. It's from, uh, and that one's from 2014. Um, I'd skip Secret of Evil. Um, then I watched, uh, Tag, which, uh, I saw the beginning to that film. Um, yes, Tag is fucked up. Yeah. Seriously fucked up. My buddy Paul's like, hey, you gotta check this film, the beginning of this film, Tag. So it's on my list to watch now because I saw the beginning. But yeah. so I just watch it. I'm like, holy fuck, that's awesome. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's like a sci-fi supernatural kind of horror flick where where this girl's basically like jumping through different realities. Uh, and each one is equally fucking horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's you never know what's going on or what's going to happen or what kind of fucked up shit she's going to get into next. But it was... I mean, effects wise was pretty good. Um, definitely worth a watch. I will give it that. Um, after that, I watched some uh, Babylon Five because I realized it was uh, uh, for free on um, on Go ninety. Um, and then uh, let's see, I watched Ludo, uh, which is from twenty fifteen, and I don't remember which country this is from. Ludo is that the one with the priests? Um. In that house, no, it's like a house for no. clergy. Oh, this is, okay, this is from. Um, no, it's not the priest. Okay, Ludo. Okay, Ludo is. Um, I remember what it is now. Just reading the thing. Okay, like four friends decided to they they're trying to find a place for a late night nookie, uh, and they end up staying in a mall after hours to have sex and are sucked into this couple's game. It is like hmm. it is like Hellraiser meets Jumanji. Only yeah. not nearly awesome. as good. I, it, the premise was fantastic. I thought the idea would have been great, and the execution is pretty terrible. Huh. Um, it, I don't know. It might be worth a look. I gave it a good thumbs down because it was just ugh. Um, I couldn't get into it. Uh, and then um, other than the two movies that I watched for this week for us, with they came from outer space and the haunting. Yeah, that finished off my my foreign films from last week. Uh, I managed to cram in The Day the Earth Stood Still from 1951. Still fucking amazing. A brilliant um, movie, no doubt. Uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea from 1961. I had actually watched the TV show and never seen the movie that the TV show was based on. So mm. so that was a nice treat. Um, and then The Fly from 1958. 
which uh, is also still equally fucking amazing and very different from the remake. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, they're both equally good, I think. Um, but whereas the the new fly with Jeff Goldblum is like a body horror body kind horror, of yeah. thing. Um, the original fly is more like a murder mystery with a sci-fi twist to it. Hmm. Uh, so it's a lot more, it's, they're very different films in the way they go about it, but the main premise is still there. Um, you know, man gets mixed with fly and shit happens. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, that's pretty much where I'm at. Fantastic. Yeah, that is a, uh, good week of CSSC6. That's for damn sure. So, uh, for oh, myself, you guys is slack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, so oh, I, I forgot. Two, I forgot two yeah. of them. Um, like Cowboy Bebop knocking on heaven's door, which it's Cowboy Bebop, like mid season movie, which was fantastic. And, uh, I skipped strayed straight from 2014. Got a big thumbs down for me. It is also a found footage film set in a, uh, they, these filmmakers enter, a decrepit building to shoot a documentary, and the, they're like, when they vanish, the footage left behind will reveal their fate. They don't show shit of what happens to them. They lie like a <laughs> dog in that description, and it's not great. It's it's kind of, eh. It's like, hmm. whatever. So, yeah. Thumbs down on that one. So, But yeah, those are the okay. other two I missed. Sorry. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, so for myself, I ended up buying uh, some new games this week. Well, old used games, but new for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran to my um, ran up to my local used media store, Disc Replay, yesterday and was looking for some racing games. Um, I ended up finding a load of old PS2 games that I got for super cheap. So I grabbed uh, Gran Turismo 4 as my sim racer, Need for Speed Underground 2 for like a drift and customizable racer, uh, Burnout 1 and 2 because I absolutely oh. love them from yeah, way back too. in the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I wanted to play them again. Um, Commandos 2 for a console RTS. Let's see how they do it. Um, and then The Getaway, um, because that was one that I remember I bought when it first came out because it came out while I was working at GameStop. And um, I played a little bit of it and I liked it, but for whatever reason, I never just finished it. Um, and so I got that one because it was like buy so many, get one free or whatever. And so I got that free. So and The Getaway, that's when where you play as Kim Basinger, right? <laughs> what? No, uh, I think it's I think it's a different one than that, but oh, uh, maybe maybe a similar idea. Yeah. Okay. But um, and so then today I went up to GameStop after work because I wanted to grab um, Project Gotham Racing Four because it was only five bucks on three sixty. Okay. And um, so I found that, but then noticed this four for twenty dollars sign, and in that. Uh, like section were a couple of other racers that I was considering buying. Uh, so first I saw Need for Speed Hot Pursuit with the reboot from Criterion Games, who made the Burnout series. Yes, very good. Yeah, and Need for Speed Most Wanted, which is often considered one of the best Need for Speed games, and it's also from Criterion Games. So again, it's a company I trust, and so I really want to try those out because uh, I haven't. And uh, they're both normally ten bucks each, so. Obviously, I was interested. Uh, well, one I really wanted to find while I was at Disc Replay yesterday was Forza Motorsport 4 for 360 because I've read that that was the best in the Forza series, uh, at least the Motorsport series. Um, GameStop normally sells it for $20 used, but lo and behold, it had the red sale sticker on it and it was on their 4 for 20 shelf. So I was not sure. So I asked the guy working there if the sign was right and if these were all 4 for 20 and he confirmed that they were. So... 
Of course, I decided that I had better grab these now while they're, on, while they're on sale. So I grabbed those three and then spent like another 10, 15 minutes trying to find a fourth one that A, I had some interest in playing and B, I didn't own already. Um, and the only thing I could find was Battlefield Hardline on Xbox One, mm-hmm. which was like the non-military Battlefield game that came out a few years back. I think it's set in like Miami or something. Yeah. So you're the cops, right? Yeah. You, well, you play as both. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, cops so and I, robbers. Yeah. Exactly. And I played a bit of it back when it came out. I rented it from Redbox or whatever, and I liked it decently enough. So I figured for five bucks, why not? You know, I need a fourth game. Let's try it. Can't go well, wrong. yeah. First, the GameStop employee rang me up. And it came out higher than I expected. So I asked him, I was like, well, isn't it supposed to be this much because, you know, I have these games. Um, and I also grabbed uh, Pure for $2. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> just a big racing kick lately, right now. Anyway, I asked him about it. And it, um, so I asked him about it. And so he was like looking at it. He's like, oh, no, that's wrong. Okay. Um, well, it turns out Forza Motorsport 4 was not actually a part of that deal. At least that's my assumption. Because in order to fix it, to get the price where it should be, he just deleted the game from my tab. And so I get the games home. I'm looking at the receipt. I'm like, wait, like Forza's not even on there. So I essentially, I got more Forza Motorsport 4 for free. And I'm not even sure if he realized what he did, but whatever, it's done now. And so I got it for free. I'm not complaining. Instant but, profit. If you sell yeah, it. exactly. I know. Right. But then I got home. And I was, I was going through looking at all the discs, right? Like I always do and then trying to take stickers off and everything because that's my tradition. Yeah. So I get to the last one, which was Battlefield Hardline. I open it up and what's inside? Well, of course, it's not Hardline or else I wouldn't be telling the story. Yeah. It's The Evil Within. Ooh. Yeah. Ridiculous. Not only did he give me a game for free, but he gave me a wrong game, which is crazy. But The Evil Within is actually a game that I've been thinking about buying recently and it goes for like 15 bucks used on Xbox One, like 20 bucks used on PS4. Mm-hmm. And so I just went on to like the covers project and printed out the cover art and stuck that in. And so I'm keeping it. And so like uh, to recap everything, I ended up paying $20 for four games that should have cost me $55 had the guys at GameStop done their jobs correctly. <laughs> so, oh. so that was my uh, very fortunate trip to uh, to GameStop today. So I couldn't be happier. So I ended up with uh, Forza Motorsport 4, um, Need for Speed Most Wanted, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, and The Evil Within instead of Battlefield Hardline. And I grabbed Project Gotham 4 and uh, pr- uh, Pure. So yeah, that was pretty good. I was, I was very thrilled. <laughs> um so aside from from purchasing throughout this last week or so, I talked about this a little bit last week, but I ended up watching through the rest of the Rec series. Um, and I actually wrote a full uh, Cinefessions series review on those four films. So I'm not going to rehash my thoughts here, but definitely check it out on Cinefessions.com to read that. Um, I will just say that the best of the series is definitely the first one. Mm-hmm. And the second best is the fourth one. The third best is the second one. And the worst one is the third one. The third one's just bad. Um, is the third one the one at the wedding? Yes. I love I the premise. Was, yeah, I, but I didn't like it. Pretty decent. No, yeah, I did not like that one. No, oh. it's like, I mean, I just said I wouldn't rehash it, but I'll, yeah. basically, like I says in my review, like it's it's like they couldn't find what they were trying to do. It's almost Shaun of the Dead esque at points. Okay, but then it tries to be like super serious and dramatic, and it's like it's just a really bad mix of tones. As it, it comes off as if the director didn't know what he wanted to do. And that's mm-hmm. never a good thing. And so I just it didn't it didn't work with me very well. And I didn't like the characters at all. I wanted to see them die. So oh. <laughs> yeah. fair enough. Yeah. Um I finally watched, and I know you guys talked about this in the past, but I finally watched Turbo Kid this past week. 
Yes. Uh, and I loved it. I mean, it has one of the best scores I've heard in any film, period. Um, it's just fantastic. I'm so glad that I own the, the vinyl of it, which I've already listened to and I knew it was great, but with context in the film, it just works so fucking well. Um, how can you not love Apple? Oh, I, exactly. Oh, I know. I absolutely adorable. loved Apple. She's yeah. fantastic. And I thought, I don't know the main character's name, but uh, the main just guy. The kid. Just the yeah, kid. Yeah, the kid. Right. Exactly right. But he was equally great. I thought they were just really good mm-hmm. together. I love them. Uh, I was honestly, I didn't realize like it was over the top gory. And it was so awesome because of that. Like, I had no idea that's the type of film it was, but I was like, this is badass. Um, and then afterwards, I watched the, the short, like, prequel film. Uh, it was on YouTube. Uh, that was, that was decent enough. It was just basically, uh, Apple with the guy she met before the kid. Um, it was really short. It was like nine minutes. Um, but then I was looking on IMDb and I noticed that the sequel is actually listed as in, uh, pre-production on IMDb. So hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, that happens. Um, but if you don't know Turbo Kid, it's actually available on Netflix Instant Q in the States right now. Um, and it's strange because it takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, but it's actually set in like 1997 or 1992, 93, somewhere in there. It's somewhere in the 90s is where it's set, which is interesting. Um, but you follow basically the story of one kid's journey for survival and he comes and he meets somebody and yeah, their relationship and everything. Um, but it's fantastic. I highly, highly recommend it as everyone has been saying up until this point. So definitely a good one. Um, the other, other one I watched of note was the Axe Murders of Velisca. Now, this one was actually just released by Scream Pack Factory this past week on Blu-ray, which is how I heard of it. Um, it's about these three high school kids who head to a house in Velisca. Um, it was a location of an axe murdering spree a long time ago. Um, they go on a tour of the house. Uh, but then eventually they get kicked out because they cross the line that they weren't supposed to cross or whatever, go over the rope. Um, and then they decide that they're just going to break in that night so that they can film their YouTube ghost hunting show that they, that they create. Okay. Um, so, so if you follow Scream Factory, you likely know that the, the recent stuff they release on Blu-ray, meaning like their newer, like 2015, 2016, 2017, um, original films, not their catalog releases of the older films, but these, yeah. these original films. They can be really hit or miss. Um, and mm-hmm. frankly, though, most of the original films they released just aren't that great with, uh, like, The Babadook being a incredibly notable exception because it's fantastic. Um, but that's why I tend to never buy them when they come out on Blu-ray. And the other reason I don't buy them is because they almost always end up on Netflix almost immediately after they hit home video. Um, and that's exactly what happened with this one. I'm trying like the only newer ones I think I've bought were ones I got on their sales for like literally less than like seven bucks or five bucks or something. That's like the only newer ones I own. Um, but I'm glad I didn't buy this one because it's not very good at all. Um, I thought the characters were okay. Um, and the setup, the setting for this could have made for a really interesting film, but they never really managed to make it scary at all. Um, the dialogue between the characters isn't great either, and I'm sure it's going to turn a lot of people off. So there's just not enough here to recommend this one. It, it felt long, even though it's like an hour and 20 minutes, actually shorter than that. It's like an hour and 18 minutes or something. It's a really short film, um, but it still felt kind of long. It just dragged. So I don't, there's, there's just not enough for me to recommend it. Even if you have a Netflix subscription, watch something else. It's just not worth it. Um, I would just ignore it and move on. So I gave it one and a half out of four stars. I just didn't like that one. Okay. Um, I also watched Plan 9 from Out of Space, which was a, a pretty infamous film, but 
ah, there's just like nothing worth talking about with it. So I won't. Um, it's just a cheap, poorly made film that makes very little sense. Um, it honestly is just a waste of time. Um, but, and it's not, it's, I always heard, oh, it's one of the worst films ever. No, it's not like it's bad, but it's not bad. It's not bad enough to recommend watching, you know, because it's so bad. It's good type of thing either. You know, um, it's just a a bad movie. I don't know. Very disappointed with that one. Uh, I ended up giving that one just one star, one out of four stars. But, um, that's where I stopped writing before I had to go and finish my stuff before the podcast. So I think that's pretty much everything for this week. Uh, let me just take a look here. Yeah, I watched, we watched Predator over this past couple, uh, week here. Um, still enjoy that movie. I watched uh, The Ghost of Frankenstein because it was short and I needed to watch a movie for the night. And that was about it. So, yeah. What about you, Mark? How about your past couple weeks here? Well, uh, I haven't watched too, too much just because after the last episode, I started boxing up all my, uh, all my films and they remain boxed up uh, up until uh, yesterday when I took the one box for Transformers. So, I've, I've cheated a bit, um, mm. because I'm doing my DVD run right now for my Alpha to do the Alpha challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're all boxed up. I, uh, posted my last review yesterday for hostage. Um, so I'm out of reviews now. <laughs> like I've, oh, okay. I, I've had a few like, uh, you know, like stocked up Backlogged, just for the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, so because I didn't want to waste any time and, I uh, had access to Netflix because I uh, I boxed up my my Blu-ray players as well. So I've been watching a lot of Netflix stuff. So I'm going to post those reviews once I'm done the DVD reviews. Um, but just as a quick uh, go through uh, of films that I've seen recently, um, I watched Drifter from 2016. Um, I knew nothing of the film. Um, I liked it. It's kind of like Mad Max meets The Hills Have Eyes. Kind of, kind of film. Uh, it's like a post-apocalyptic. Uh, also, there's a smidge of um, from Death Till Dawn because it's two brothers just, you know, surviving, sticking up, uh, you know, gas stations for money, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it wasn't very good. Um, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, I watched Exorcism from 2010, which I adored. Uh, another, you know, I'm a bit on a, a bit of a devil, um, kick with you know the exorcist uh tv show which i finished earlier this year which i liked a lot so into like double possessing and mm-hmm. this is another one where a devil possess or a demon possesses a girl um it was really good and i watched it on the 6th of june which was the last day that it was actually on netflix so i don't know if it's on in the states or not but it's called exorc exorcismus from 2010 um you won't recognize anybody in it um i don't uh oh doug bragley oh wow. Doug Bradley from uh, he played Pinhead in Hellraiser. Right, he's top build. He's in it for maybe five minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, big name, but you know, he played it. It's a cameo, no big deal. Um, but I really liked it. Uh, I watched the uh, documentary Back in Time, which is based. Uh, it's about uh, Back to the Future and the fandom and whatnot. Um, I was hoping to be more about the whole trilogy, but he completely like dismissed the third film, which I thought was too bad because I liked the third film. I thought it was just okay because uh, I found some of the fan segments were a bit like it's like the producers were trying to stretch the runtime of the film. One guy built a fucking golf course or a mini a mini putt course in his backyard, and it's Back to the Future themed. Who cares? I didn't. So that was kind of meh. Um, I watched Chopper from two thousand. And that's Eric, one of Eric Bana's first feature films. 
And this is the movie that got him um, pretty much worldwide uh, star power. Because uh, after this, he shortly made the Ang Lee Incredible Hulk. Um, I think two, three years later. But this is the one that got him on the map of people's uh, radars. Does it make sense? The map of people's radars. This film got him on the <laughs> radar of other people. How about that? Um, it's really good. It's about the a well-known Australian uh, prisoner. Uh Kind of in the vein of Bronson, but not as theatrical as Bronson. Um, I thought that was pretty decent. Um, I watched After Porn Ends 2. I used that as my A uh, title. Uh, Ash, did you get a chance to watch it? No, I've been uh, working on the CSCC stuff, so. Okay. Uh, well, uh, it's good. If you like the first one, you'll like the second one. More of the same. Uh, some good stories, some tragic stories. It's uh, too bad for those. Uh, Who's who in were- that one? Do you know? Yeah, you got uh, Lisa Ann, uh, Jamie Langenmuller. She's the chick from, uh, you know, she's married to Jesse James. She's the one that was on the Blink-182 CD cover. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Chasey Lane was in it, uh, Tabitha Stevens. Um, It was all white women and then two black porn stars, uh, black male porn stars, and then that's Mm. it, which I thought was interesting. Um, Trying to think of other people, uh, Georgina Belinda, I believe. Let me go back. Let me just go to my the film really quickly here. Um, I don't recognize any of those G- names. Regina Splevin. She was uh, the Miss Jones in The Devil and Miss Jones. So she was probably oh, in her seventies oh. at that uh, at this point. Um, Darren James was in it, which I thought was really interesting because he is a porn star who uh, contracted AIDS and gave it to three uh, other porn oh, actresses wow. in the nineties. No, oh. probably early two thousands. That's horrible. So that was interesting. Um, Johnny Keys, he was uh, the main guy in Behind the Green Door, the famous uh, porn film that made a lot of money at the cinema back in the day. Hmm. Um, so really good. Oh, Ginger Lynn was in it as well. So it, it's actually pretty decent. Um, and what I like about this series, I'm calling it a series because there's two now, and same mm-hmm. director, is that they don't exploit the people they spotlight but it is an actual spotlight and t- lets them tell their story yeah um so i thought it was really good and what i also enjoyed because this is about you know porn stars that have left the business right and in between the segments of the retired porn stars were uh, little snippets of current porn stars and they're asked a question what, what are you going to do after porn and some of them had no clue so i thought it was yeah. really interesting yeah uh, continuing on, I watched the Fantastic Four uh, uh, film from 2015. Underrated. I like that one. I liked it until the end. I thought the the, the final fight scene was so rushed. Um, but I found Doctor Doom looked a lot like the ghost taxi driver in Ghostbusters. You know, when the Ecto unit explodes and all the spirits uh, come back? And there's like oh, these like kind of zombified looking skeleton-y um, cab driver. You know, guys, oh, take me to 12th and 14th. And there's like, you know, you just see the camera pans and it's like a, it's a monster cab driver. I found the Doom mask looked a lot like his face. Uh, I might be the only one who actually gets that reference, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, so there's... I talking about. I just, yeah. uh, I, I haven't seen the new... It's actually, it's actually better than I expected from all the poo-pooing that there was. I thought it was pretty decent. Um, quickly, yeah, exactly. I also that's my, was my thought too. Just better than it got such negative negativity when it came out. I was expecting garbage, and it wasn't. Yeah, but also a lot of negativity from the fucking director. 
Like Josh Trask really had a poor experience making this film. Um, he's a bit of a blowhard and he clashed with the actors on set. He clashed with the, uh, with the, uh, with the film company and the producers. Um, and then he created a lot of this up to a point where he wanted his name taken off the film and they're like, not fuck it, fuck you. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Um, again, um, all these reviews will be put on, uh, Instagram once I finish my DVD run. Um, I watched The Girl in the Photographs, which is, uh, which was actually quite good. Um, a lot of people did not like that either as per the reviews on Letterboxd, but I dug it. Um, and the last one I saw was Handsome, a Netflix mystery movie, uh, produced, directed, and starring Jeff Garland. So, uh, he's a comedian and the film is a comedy, uh, because Steven Weber from Wings fame, uh, he opens up the film with, hi, I'm Steven Weber and I play the killer in this film. So like, it's not a mystery film, but it's a, a bit of a, it's, it's not a spoof either, but it's like a dark comedy based off like TV mystery movies. Huh. Which I thought was really funny. Natasha Leone's in it. Uh, Kelly Qualco, uh, Leah Remy, Eddie Pepitone. I thought it was, I thought it was very funny. I thought Penny's it was really, in it? Yes. I fucking love her so much. Yeah, she's in it, uh, playing herself. Um, it, it's very funny. It's very, very funny. I liked it a lot. So that's what I watched in, uh, like on Netflix while I'm, uh, I was moving. And again, it seems like a lot because, well, I haven't seen you guys in two weeks. So mm-hmm. that's my quick rundown. Um, apart from that, I was able to see Wonder Woman at the theaters. I saw that uh, yes. last weekend. Um, I liked it. I, I liked it. Um, but I don't need to see it a second time in the movie theaters. I've heard some people are seeing it three, four, five times. I thought it was good, but I don't think it was that good to, to, for multiple viewings of the theater. Like, I'm going to buy it when it comes out on uh, on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to see it a second time. Um, I loved that. Um, have you guys seen it at all? I did, I yeah. Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay. Well, no spoilers. Um, I, I thought the film was about 20 minutes too long. Um, I thought some scenes had some pretty shoddy special effects where it just didn't look good at all. Um, that said, Gal Gadot looked amazing as Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. But my, my biggest gripe of the film, for a person who uses arrows and swords set in the First World War, where the fuck's the blood? There's no blood in this movie. Well, that, that's ma- Hollywood. That's PG-13 Hollywood. But it makes yeah. no sense. You can see well, a Chris Pine coming out of a pool with just a you towel. You watch the Transformers movies? Yeah, but the robots. And the robots leak and shit. So... Uh, I say nay on that because characters, they bleed. Like, you're, you're, in fact, you're the one who specifically said in our first review of Transformers, yeah. you made mention of how there's all these deaths and there's no blood because it's PG-13. Did I say that? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Because I was yeah. like, oh, you're absolutely right. But there's blood now. Like in number two, at the end of uh, of uh, Revenge of the Fallen. LaBeouf's pretty fucking messed up. He got blowed up really good. And he's got some cool, like, special effect makeup, you know, to show burns and shit. So, you're seeing battle damage, which I like. And and now, I find the Transformers in, in the previous film and more in this film as well, they're secreting more liquids. You know, more cast or, or motor oil and shit like that. Yeah, um, I definitely noticed that in this one because I made note know, of it because it was shocking to me. Yeah, so so maybe Bay listened, went to the future, listened to my podcast uh, clip, and then went back to the past. And it's like, shit, we need more fluids. That's an intelligent thing to do if you have a time machine. So I can yeah. see that happening. 
you fuck, man, we need to buy a little time machine so we can add more fluids to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, th- that's my issue with Wonder Woman. For a wartime film, not to have any blood. That sucked. But the one scene that I fucking love is when she pushes the front. Yeah. When she, oh, man. I, I'm I'm sitting down in the theater. And I, I'm... <sighs> I'm not saying I, I, I was teary-eyed, but I was getting kind of misty. And I'm like, fuck, this is why I like, I love watching movies. Like that scene gave me goosebumps. I was mm-hmm. so into it. I fucking loved it. Um, and like, ah, oh, this is what it feels like to be a movie fan. You can appreciate, even if you don't like a, a full movie, you can appreciate certain scenes, but that scene just really hit me. I don't know why. I just thought it was so fucking cool. And she was amazing as Wonder Woman. Um, and I like Chris Pine and his band of merry men. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just find the ending just kind of like ah, enough already. Let's just finish this, you know. Um, but that's that's it for that. And uh, one more thing, because I, uh, I, I I missed last week because I had a movie screening. The uh, people at the Elevation Pictures and Tarot PR were able to provide me passes. Well, no longer sneak peek. Well, it was a sneak peek at the time, uh, but last Wednesday I was able to go see Megan Levy at uh, the theaters it had come out last uh, friday um and that's about uh megan levy who uh didn't know what to do with her life so she joined the army and eventually became a dog handler and uh was in charge of max who is a bomb sniffing dog um and the film pretty much tells her story about how she went to uh, iraq and then came back and had some issues and da 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 um and it's really about the bond between herself and her dog. The, 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 really, the story is a romance about her and her dog, pretty much. Um, I thought it was really well made. Um, like Kate Mara, I have, I've loved for a long time. Um, Tom Felton from uh, the Harry Potter series. He was almost unrecognizable. Uh, I, I just knew it was him because I saw his name uh, on the poster, but I don't think I would have recognized him because I always, I, I think for now, until I see more films that aren't Harry Potter, I always see him as Draco Malfoy. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Common is uh, he? Uh, he's in this film as well. Eddie Falco, Will Patton, which I like. Bradley Whitford, which I like as well. Um, he's got some really good actors, and it's funny because you guys were recording um, Dark of No, pardon me, Revenge of the Fallen, and uh, freaking Ramon Rodriguez was in it as well. He's the guy who played uh, Shia Booth's uh, roommate in the Transformers film. Oh, okay, yeah. So he plays a fellow dog handler in uh, in Megan Levy. Um, so I liked it. I, I wasn't wowed by it though. I, I was thinking, watching the movie, why was this story out of all the possible war film stories? Like, what what was so special about this movie or this story that it had to be made into a movie? Mm-hmm. I just really didn't see it. Um, and maybe once, I said, I don't want to spoil the film, but maybe once you see the film, maybe ask yourself the same thing. Like, it was well made, it was well acted, but I'm like, why was this made into a film? Again, I'm not a pet owner, so maybe I don't, well, I guess now I am with the, yeah, with you the are. dog and the cat. Yeah, um, right. It's been two days, you know, he likes me. He hasn't peed on my <laughs> shit yet, so I'm very grateful. Um, it's because I give him a lot of treats every time he meows. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, up until up until forty hours ago, I'm not a cat, uh, not an animal, uh, you know, uh, owner. So maybe I just don't get the bond uh, as some people are really bonded with their pets. Um, so I, I just don't know why this was made into a film. But uh, it was it was a it was a good film. I just didn't see the need for this to be a, a feature like film at the theaters. 
but that's just that's just my take on it. Uh, I'm still very happy I went to see it. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, if I had to give this uh, a rating, um, let me see. Let's see what I gave this on Letterbox here. I gave Megan Levy three out of five stars. So just over over fifty percent, probably like a six percent score. Um, again, good. I just didn't see the point of having this on the big screen. So, but thank you again for Elevation Pictures for letting me watch this film. I do appreciate uh, every uh, every opportunity I get to uh, see the films, and you know they're giving me passes to films that I probably wouldn't see myself. But after I w- go to see it, I really, I really dug them. Like I think I was talking to Melissa about this. I think our favorite one so far this year is Their Finest with uh, Gemma Atkinson and uh, Bill Niley. Fuck, that was a really good film, which I probably wouldn't have been able to see without uh, their passes because it's got a limited screening. But mm. uh, really dug it. Um, apart from that, I know I'm speaking a lot here, um, talking about uh, video games and stuff. Man, I have not played any Transformer Devastation at all. I think I'm at level 1-3, but with everything being packed up, um, I just haven't had a chance to play. I want to um, play the game. I just I, haven't. I I, I, uh, I I beat it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So at least somebody's doing something that we're planning. How about, how about you, uh, Brenda? Did you uh, get a chance to play it at all? No, I've not played it at all. Nope. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, well, we have great intentions. Right, I mean, exactly. Once my shit's uh, packed away, I, I'm going to be uh, more productive. But uh, right now, yeah, I've, I've, I've barely scratched the surface of it. So I want to play it. I just haven't. But with the E3 coming and with pre-orders uh, on sale right now, I didn't buy anything. Um, well, I, I'm getting ARMS. I pre-ordered ARMS when I first got my Nintendo Switch. So that should be coming next week, I believe. I think it's I think it's out this week, but with Amazon, it'll take a few days. So I should get around the 21st and the 23rd. So I'm excited to play that because it's beginning some great reviews. But uh, because of E3, I also pre-ordered Red Dead Redemption for the PS4. And uh, the, our Canadian friends, our listeners, our Sinisters, is that what we're calling them? Sinisters. Sinisters. Oh, man. Once we get a group... Of hardcore sinsters, they're mm-hmm. gonna become our, our harem of sinsters. Harem. <laughs> I love it. I love um, it. Yeah. So right now, well, first of all, I uh, pre-ordered uh, the new uh, Mario Odyssey for the Switch. Yeah, that looks really good. Yeah, but I don't know why, but it's fucking ninety-nine dollars Canadian. What? Ninety-nine. I got Arms and I got Splatoon two um, for seventy-nine Canadian. But then with uh, Amazon Prime, I get 20% off. So I'm paying like 71 after tax and shipping. Well, free shipping, so after tax. But the Mario Odyssey, it's 99 bucks. Why is it $100? Releases. Fuck. So I'm, I'm debating to actually order from the US store. And then even with the exchange rate and the shipping, it'll probably be cheaper than the Canadian version. Like, yeah, I'm going to keep my pre-order for now because, again, it's got the pre-order guarantee. So if it drops, you know, I'll pay whatever right. price. It's the lowest. Mm-hmm. But 100 bucks is way too much for a Mario game. So I might actually cancel that further down the line and get it used at a later point. Because I right. just started uh, Breath of, of the Wild at Zelda game. Mm-hmm. And uh, I suck at it. I'm very, very, I, I barely scratched the surface of that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I pre-ordered uh, Odyssey. Um so I'm hoping, I guess, I saw NBA 2K17, the collector's edition for the Switch, the pre-order Canadian, 197 What the fuck? I don't fucking, I hope our dollar bounces back because this is bullshit. 
Yeah, that's well, insane. I never order the collector's editions to begin with because I don't need all the all the perks. And by the time I get to the you know the DLC that comes with the game, I'm tired of the game, so mm-hmm. I usually don't. Um, but two hundred dollars for NBA Two K Seventeen on the Switch? Fuck that shit. Um, yeah, that's but, ridiculous. Yeah, but I did buy, I did pre-order uh, Red Dead Redemption Two uh, for the PS4 as well as uh, Days Gone for the PS4, and they're both forty nine ninety six Canadian. Um, so with shipping, it's like just like 50, 56 bucks. So okay. I don't think I'll get a better deal, especially for Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2, which I know I'm going to like because I loved the last one. Mm-hmm. Like it's like a GTA 5, you know, like any Rockstar game, I know I'm going to dig. Um, and I know this game is going to be epic. And the Days Gone videos I've seen look tremendous. So uh, I got those for about $50 Canadian. I don't think I'll get a better deal. So those are pre-ordered and locked in. Um, but, uh, days gone doesn't come out till December, 2018. <laughs> so I won't get it for a while. And Red Dead Redemption comes out, I think on the 31st of December this year. So I'll get them next year, but at least they're locked in at that low price. Right. Well, th- because mine, they haven't set release dates for either of those yet. And so on Amazon, they always put like the last day of the year that it's supposed to come out. Oh, so I'm gonna get it sooner then. Uh, you'll probably get them both. Well, you might get, uh, I'm sure you're going to get days gone before December of 2018, but Red Dead Redemption, I think got pushed back to 2018, if I remember right. Oh, did it? Uh, Yeah. So you know, if it's to, you know, to smooth the movie or the game out and make it even better, then I can wait. I got so much shit to play right now that I I don't care if a game got delayed two months because I got games I haven't, I've played once that about two years ago. So Mm -hmm. I'm not forced, uh, I'm not in the rush. Oh, and uh, a few more things. I got some more posters coming in the mail. Um, I got, well, my uh, Legend of Billie Jean poster I got last week. But since I'm in the process of moving um, and the floor is littered with fucking shit, um, <laughs> I don't want to lay them down anywhere. Mm-hmm. So they're still in the pack. So once um, once I'm settled, I'm going to open up my package and uh, and take some pictures for you guys. But uh, I will <laughs> take pictures. I'm really excited for you to take pictures of your package. You son of a bitch. That's what I meant. My sinisters. That's not what I meant. Oh, um, man. But I did. Oh, I lucked out. I got for $17 US uh, via Facebook. Uh, James Murray, I believe his name was. Um, he is a poster uh, collector on Facebook. And I got a poster for. Uh, hard ticket to Hawaii, the Enciders film. Nice. Yeah, I'm very happy to get that. So I got that one, and I off emovieposter.com. I won a auction for a Swedish uh, advanced poster of the girl who played with fire, the oh, second okay. film from the uh, girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. So it's uh, Numi Rapace. That's like you know, uh, she's like leaning against a, a car that's on fire. Hmm. It looks so cool, and it's in its native Swedish, and nice. it's a weird size. But you go to IKEA, and they got the perfect size for that poster because it's Swedish. <laughs> so, like, I have a Swedish Blues Brothers poster on the original Blues Brother from Sweden, hmm. and I'm like, "Fuck, I'm gonna have to custom frame this." No, I went to IKEA. Perfect, they had the perfect frame, so I have the perfect frame for this as well, and it looks so cool. So I'm very excited to hang that. So when uh, that comes in the mail. I will uh, advise you as well. But apart from that, oh, (laughs) one more thing. Hang on one second. Because you're no longer in your own little bachelor pad. Are you going to be able to hang all these posters up on your walls? I have, yes. I have full, uh, I have full, um, 
How do you see? Yes, I have full authority to put whatever I want on the walls. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm I'm not going to take advantage of that power because yeah. you know we're cohabitating. Right. But uh, she enjoys my movie posters. Good. So, and Good. she doesn't know what I have. Like she's only seen what I've put up on the walls. But I have mm. probably fifty or so posters that are like I need to buy a flat file so I can put them like away. Um, but I've got about forty or fifty other posters that are like all bagged and boarded like comic books that were uh, in my storage. So uh, once uh, once we put things away, I can show her exactly what I've got, and she can pick and choose whatever she wants. Okay. But I guarantee that uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo is going to go up once I get a frame for that, and uh, that legend of Billie Jean for sure. Um, awesome! But uh, yeah, so I got that, and I'm also very excited because they announced yesterday on uh, on uh, Twitter that for that. Uh, that National Expo Comic Con I'm going to at the end of August, mm-hmm. that uh, Biff is going to be there. Oh, really? Yeah. I think, what, what's his name? Tom. I'm just letting my pazel here. Uh, Biff, Biff, Biff. Uh, Tom Tom Wilson. So, I, I could go the route of getting a Back to the Future poster. I kind of don't want to. I want an April Fool's Day poster because he's an April <laughs> Fool's Day and that film is fucking awesome. I love that movie. Yeah, it's really good. Me too. But if I can't get one before the end of August, then uh, I'll just get my Action Jackson poster signed by him because he's that's one of his first roles was in Action Jackson. Nice. So I might just get that signed instead. But uh, I'm really hoping I can come across an April Fool's Day poster before the end of August. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I've finished my recap for the last two weeks. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, so uh, you were talking about E3, like um, – not too terribly much that I was interested in. Uh, Days Gone on PS4 is one that I'll likely end up buying. Um, uh, what else did I see though? State of Decay 2 looked interesting on Xbox One. Uh, the Xbox One X, I probably won't be buying just because I don't really see the need to upgrade to it when I have the One S already, which has 4K and everything. What about, what about the backwards compatibility with the Xbox games? I really like that. Yeah. I love backwards compatibility and I love that. Um, they've only announced that Crimson Skies is one that's going to be on there. So hopefully you'll get more because I, pl- I play that one. That's a fun game. Yeah. I've always heard it's really good, but I've not played it. Um, yeah. So I'm really, I'm, I'm digging that a lot, but, um, Crackdown three could be interesting. I, uh, played a little bit of the first, first one, I believe. I don't think I played the second one. Um, mm-hmm. Mario and Rabbids looks really cool. Cause it's like a, a it tactical strategy game, which looks awesome or a turn-based strategy game rather. Yeah. Um, but I don't have a switch uh, basically with Nintendo's, they didn't give me enough reason to go out and buy a switch. Really? Uh, Mario Odyssey looks good. Um, um the Kirby four player looks good. Yeah, uh, I've Prime. never played a Kirby game. Prime's you coming out. Ma- you know Major Prime. Yeah, I didn't like the Prime games. Pokemon game, a proper one on Switch. So they announced it, though. They announced it. Yeah, they announced yeah, a Pokemon game. Coming. Just no, no footage or no uh, arts. So it must be really early in its uh, development cycle. But they did announce they're going to do an actual RPG Pokemon and not enough of this uh, battle stadium shit. Because I'm not going to yeah. pick well, up Pokemon tournaments. Which is fine, but until they actually announce when it's coming out, you know. Oh sure, yeah. sure. But uh, um, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited for uh, for a few of those games. Like uh, Metroid Prime Four, I'm curious to see how it's going to look. Um, I never played the Metroid Prime games on the GameCube because they didn't own that system. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, um, I'm I'm quite excited with the, with the Nintendo and uh, with the PS4. They had some good uh, good games on the pipe. Oh, that Spider Man game looks awesome. That's like the 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 biggest one I'd say uh, from Sony that I'm interested in is is the Spider Man. That one looks really good. 
I'm really excited to play that one. Bridget was watching that and was like, damn, it's like I'm watching a movie. And I was like, yeah, like it looks mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, so I, that's probably going to be a day one purchase, which I rarely ever do anymore. But Spider-Man will probably be a, an exception to that. Um, but um, that Battlegrounds game I'm interested in on Xbox One. Uh, it's normally it's like a PC uh, game originally, but uh, it's coming okay. to Xbox One. It looks really interesting. It's kind of like uh, DayZ type style. Uh, mm-hmm. Where it's like online survival. I don't know. It looks like it could be up my alley. Um, yeah. So I, basically for me at E3, there's no, there wasn't one um, kind of system, one manufacturer that overtook the other, I guess. It was kind of like a three-way tie of uh, it was fine, but nothing really blew me away. Um, I think Xbox would have won E3 if it wasn't for the price point of their Xbox X. Yeah, everyone was complaining about that, but I, I don't really care because I'm not buying it anyway. So yeah. Um, the VR, they showed a lot of VR stuff with PlayStation, which was yeah, good if you own VR, but I don't care about that. Um, I just don't have like, I have, uh, I don't have the proper space needed to use a VR system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I won't be getting that. Um, what else did I, I'm trying to remember because I watched Sony's live and I watched Nintendo's on my lunch break actually. Um, and then I just read about Microsoft, uh, Ubisoft. If you were a Beyond Good and Evil fan, I'm sure you were excited, but I've never played a minute of the first game, so I really couldn't give a shit less about the second game. Yeah, me neither, but I heard the first game is fucking fantastic, though. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I wonder I how well it's either. aged. But I'm one of those heretics. I haven't played any either. Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of just... Uh, nothing blew me away. I wasn't uh, really thrilled with anything i guess but i wasn't disappointed either i just wanted to see some cool games that i'd want to buy and i did days gone spider-man knack 2 i'm really excited to get because i think knack is one of the more underrated playstation 4 games i thought i love that game and now knack 2 is going to have co-op uh which is really cool and so i'm definitely going to play that one um you know you're right though i wasn't wowed either by e3 this year mm-hmm. like there's some cool stuff coming but Nothing was like, holy fuck. Like, I didn't expect this at all, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, I feel like it's just become, it's not really about that anymore. Like, it's, I feel like it's less about that now, like the past maybe couple years than it had been previously. Um, and now it's like open to the public and everything. So I feel like it's just like a different, a different thing now than it was in the past, you know? And there's so many other, like Nintendo Direct, you know, that takes the the wind out of some of the information that they deliver. So there's just so many other conferences that kind of go on throughout the year that mm-hmm. they don't they don't just wait for E3 anymore, you know. Um, but still interesting what we did see. So yeah, like I'm excited for some some games. I'm yeah. just not dying for them right away, just exactly. because I got ways to keep myself busy till then. Right. Um, yeah. Can yeah, I jump porn. in for one more second? Yeah. I forgot to mention one thing. Uh, I I did watch a whole series of the keepers. Oh um, yeah, that's right. You were talking. You were talking. You're going to watch that. Yeah, so I did, and uh, l- unlike uh, making a murderer, which you know you kind of make jokes about, <laughs> this one isn't funny. Like this one is very serious. It's it's got some pretty triggering um, material for some. Mm-hmm. Um, because it involves you know the death of a nun, but then also involves uh, you know this is pre spotlight. So it also involves a lot of uh, uh, Catholic uh, diocese uh, corruption, and uh, it's 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 hard to watch for those who could who have been victims of sexual abuse. Yeah, just because it's pretty gross how the church covers stuff up or they try to you know pay people off. Um, so it, it's a really good series, 
and I like how the the episodes are structured. It's actually really it's really well made, but it's not for everybody. Um, but uh, even like those who are enjoying true crime, and this it's got some pretty potent stuff in this series. So, um, you know, watch with, to your own risk. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just there's nothing graphic on screen. Obviously, it's just you know the subject matter is pretty tough. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it for what it was, but it's a tough series to watch. Like I watched a few episodes at work and I'm like, yeah, I can't do this at work. So I watched the rest <laughs> of the episodes like in a dark room and it, it felt more intimate that way Yeah, and better, you know, to give the, 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 uh, subject matter proper respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's worth checking out, uh, for those who are curious about it. Excellent. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, uh, let's move over to our review for the, uh, week, so we are going to be talking about Transformers Dark of the Moon from 2011. And as always, there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers for not only Transformers Dark of the Moon, but Transformers from 2007 and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen from 2009. So just keep that in mind. There will be spoilers for potential spoilers for all three films uh, moving forward. All right, so you have been warned. So Transformers Dark of the Moon from 2011, directed by Michael Bay, written by Aaron Kruger. Uh, a solo effort this time, unlike the first film, which had two writers, and the third film, which he was, uh, or the second film, which he was one of three writers. Um, it has an IMDb score of 6.3 out of the 339,224 votes at the time of recording, a Metacritic score of 42, a 35% uh, tomato meter, and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 55%. It had a $195 million budget, $5 million lesser than the previous film. And a gross of three hundred and fifty-two million, about forty-eight million less than the second film. So, Ash, what is your history with Dark of the Moon? Uh, saw it in theaters twice, and I've owned it on Blu-ray pretty much ever since. Excellent. What about you, Mark? Uh, same thing. Saw so it in the theaters, and I bought the Blu-ray. And for some reason, I thought I had the three D of this film, but I don't. So I oh, must okay. have bought it before the three D version came out. Gotcha. Yeah, this one I did not see in theaters. I have not seen period. I bought the Blu-ray, uh, 3D Blu-ray when I first got, it was one of the first I bought with my 3D TV. I bought like, cause anytime I get something new, I have to, I can't just have one. I have to buy like seven because that's how I am. And so <laughs> I bought, this was one of my first group of uh, 3D Blu-rays I bought and it just sat here cause I, I hadn't watched the second one. And so I wasn't going to watch the third one. Um, but I did watch this one in 3D on my, uh, on my big projector. So. Okay. And right from the beginning, I was um, I was kind of impressed because there there was just a ton of depth to the 3D. It wasn't a lot of shit coming out at you, but it was depth. Uh, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about with like the yes. difference between the two. I, yeah. I, the 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 thing I appreciate about this one being in 3D, especially, is Bay had to you know actually plan his shots a little bit more. He couldn't just run fuck wide with a camera and be like, yeah. yeah. Um. So there's less shaky cam, but he, they do all the 3D adjustment on set. Like they film it and then he goes and checks to see if it's that the, the depth and everything he wants mm-hmm. it at. And I think that's awesome that they can just do that right there on set. And, yeah, definitely. and can, you know, if he doesn't like the way they've got it, they can make adjustments and everything else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the 3D in the theater was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really I enjoyed the 3D. I thought it would, looked good. On uh, I thought it translated. Well, I obviously didn't see it in theaters, but I thought it, it translated well to home video, if nothing else. Um, I thought it looked pretty good 
um, nothing. It didn't. Uh, it wasn't mind blowing, I guess, but I, it was. It was enjoyable. I li- I'm glad that I saw it in 3D, and I will watch the next one in 3D as well. So, um, so the whole opening to this thing I thought was really interesting. So I like that they. Uh, it's kind of a mix of real footage and CGI and stand-ins and everything. Uh, you know, to get like these older, uh, these old presidents specifically in there. I thought was really interesting. Um, and. I'm just ignorant to this, but is it true? Like, did they really have a loss of signal when they landed on the moon like that? Do you know? Is that something um, that actually happened? I don't remember, to be honest. Okay. I, th- I, I If so, I, I thought it was very cool. Big, you know, NASA nut, but mm-hmm. I honestly couldn't tell you. I, okay. I know they did have loss of signal whenever they were dropping the capsules back into Earth. There was you know, okay. a minute to two minutes of radio silence because it was passing through atmosphere but i don't honestly remember about the moon Hmm. portion right yeah i thought that was interesting though um and i i I liked the uh the whole setup to this i just found the shots of kennedy in color looked pretty bad Uh, it didn't look like him at all no he looked good in the black and white shots yeah exactly when it went color i'm like oh this does not look good Mm mm-hmm I'm surprised I couldn't, with all the money they have, couldn't find a, somebody that looked more like him or used more makeup to make him look more like him. Well, it <laughs> just looks like they swapped somebody's face yeah. with his face. Or like, you know, it's some actor and then he, they just superimposed his face on it. And it mm-hmm. looked kind of like quaky to me. You know, like like <laughs> angular and like it just it looked, right. it didn't look very good. That's funny. Um yeah, so you get this you get this whole opening sequence uh back in whatever, you know, sixties, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and then we get the transition into the intro of our main characters. And that first shot, I I better just click over and learn her name because I haven't the slightest idea what her name is. Carly. Um, Rosie Huntington Whiteley. Yeah. Yes, Carly. Um, that first shot of her walking up the stairs. She's wearing the shirt and just the underwear. Okay, that was fine. I was like, oh, that's a that's a good introduction, good transition to our uh, to our main characters here. I did not mind that one bit. But that said, I didn't like Carly, and not I. I liked Rosie Huntington Whiteley. I thought, and everyone was bitching. Oh, she's a model. She's not an actress. But I thought she was a, she was a fine actress for what she needed here. But I just didn't like the character, and it's because it wasn't Michaela. And I think the loss of Michaela was hugely detrimental to my enjoyment of the film overall, frankly. I will well, agree with you, you can, on that one. You can, you can blame Michael Bay's precious little ego because um, – uh, Megan yeah, Fox and him clashed. Michaela. Yeah. She, yeah. Uh, she basically ripped him in the news media after, after Transformers 2 and was like, yeah, he's, he's kind of a dick on set. And mm-hmm. he, he didn't appreciate that. Yeah. So. And that's why she's a total afterthought in this movie. Like, right. don't even mention her name. It's just that's like, oh, yeah. She, 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 yeah. I, I didn't like it either. Um, this film would have been so much better with Michaela. Right. Because um, I, mean, like, I, I didn't care about Carly at all. Exactly. Like, I just, there's no the history whole, with her. Right. The whole transition, was, uh, jumping to the very end of the fucking movie. So, like, um, with Michaela, you have two movies of setup. And then this third one, the payoff, and it's as if at the end, like uh bump and obviously we're talking spoilers we already mentioned that but it, bumblebee yeah. drops like the the uh the not rings, rings but yeah the gears that look like yeah. rings i'm mean, like yeah that's that would have been the perfect payoff with michaela but yeah. here it's like why the fuck would he even suggest it like it's almost as if it was written to have michaela and it was just something they didn't take out which i don't think that was the case but 
That's what it felt like to me. It and felt it's like just, the community as well. Yeah, it's, it's like, like everything would have been so. I would have, I would have loved watching him try to go back into that crazy, fucked up Chicago if he was going for somebody I cared about. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. It, it, to me, it's like they just superimposed Carly over Michaela's lines. Yep. Um, you know, they tweaked it obviously, but yeah, I did not like. Uh, now I couldn't see Michaela working for Dylan at all. Um, I find you know Michaela's more blue collar and yeah. Carly's more white collar. Right, and that's um, and that's another problem I have with this. So, like the whole premise, uh, the whole setup for this is relying on the fact that we have to believe that uh, Sam is unable to get a job, and so he's basically like you know relying on a sugar mama Carly, yeah, to get by. Which I just I, I that didn't work for me. Like this guy, and uh, I just feel like I'm jumping all over the place, and I apologize. But like that's fine. It's all kind of tying together because. So this guy, he lives in Washington. He lives in, you know, DC and everything. Um, and nobody recognizes him. I mean, his face was plastered all over the news when mm-hmm. Megatron put his picture up and the whole world was searching for him, but nobody recognizes him. Well, they did like, mention it during his job interviews. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, the FBI were looking for me, but they found me. It's because of the alien thing, no big deal. So they did make mention to that, but. Again, it's like if you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't really notice it in the conversation. Yeah, I, I missed it, I guess. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah during the uh, uh, application montage where he's applic- you know, where he's uh, interviewing with three different people. Yeah. Um, yeah, they made reference to that. Hmm. What did they say? Re- I apologize. What did they say about it? Oh, pretty much is like, oh, okay, and what's this about the FBI looking for you? And then, oh, yeah, some, okay, you know, no, I did hear that, yeah, yeah, so, but it's like, how would they it, not though. know that? Like, as I don't know, um, and uh, and then you already talked, you already said it, but I'm just gonna repeat it the fact that mm-hmm. they didn't even give like any other th- other reason than Michaela not being there, other than she dumped me, I moved on. He says that twice, and that's it. It's like, come on, like, you built this character for two films. And you've you made the relationship so I thought tangible and and just enjoyable to watch, and that's what yeah. we get. Two mentions of she dumped me. Come and, on. And that's another thing with Michaela. It makes sense that she went on these crazy adventures with him. Exactly. Why the but fuck having, is? But yes. having Carly not really freak out at all. Like I she, know. She never really freaked out. I'm like, oh, so all he's dating only girls that seem to be okay with right. maybe the Transformer groupies. I don't know. Right. But it just seems, you know, for this, again, I'm generalizing, but for this type of character, mm-hmm. you would think she, the character would have freaked the fuck out. Yeah, you can generalize because her character is is general. Like, it, right? you shouldn't have to do more work than the than the screenwriter did. Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. So, so I, I just didn't buy the relationship at all. I really didn't. And it's nope. really too bad that- It uh, is. And, and it's funny because when the film came out, and, you know, Megan Fox wasn't on it. I'm like, ah, who cares? Megan Fox, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but now rewatching these movies back to back to back, I wanted Megan Fox in this one. Yeah. Absolutely. I really did. I really did. What Especially did you- that it's a trilogy with Sam Woodwicky. It just makes Exa- sense. Yes. And that's it too. That's it too. Because it is a trilogy. Like this is a trilogy clearly because the next one, I don't know who it, the characters are, but I know it's Marky Mark, right? So it's you know, not you know, Sam, you know. It's Marky so. Mark and... I again, I, all I remember from the fourth film is that my favorite character gets blowed up early, and I'm like, oh. "Fuck!" 
All I've heard about the fourth film is that it's super fucking long. That's all I keep hearing about it. And this one, to me, was super fucking long. So This was two and a half hours, you know? Yeah. Uh, But I don't remember who the bad guys are in the fourth one. Like, I I just, I don't remember. So, I'm excited to watch it again just because. Yeah, I've not seen it. Like, I bought the Blu-ray, so I got to watch it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But even with this one, I'm like, okay, is Megatron still in this one? Didn't he die in the last one? (laughs) Uh, You know, so. Right. uh, But speak of Megatron. I liked his look in this one because this is like battle damage Megatron. Yeah. When he was first introduced with like that cape on, I was like, fuck, like he needs to keep that. He looks like a, just like a a wanderer, you know, like just, he looks like a nomad. Yeah. And just the fact that now now he's got, you know, he's got a bit of rest going on. His head's all damaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got the chains covering covering his body with the tarp. I love the part too where one of the little critters, the repair bots, like crawls by his face and he eats it. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny too because, it, like, you know, he was in Africa at the time and you got all those elephants, you know, intercut yeah. with the shots of Megatron. And it's like he's got those bug things around his face and mm-hmm. it's like, the, you know, the birds on the backs of elephants to keep the pests yes, away. That's, it's got the I got same that thing. Same idea. Yeah. Which I like. And then when he transforms into that, like, fucked up truck with, like, the Mad Max truck. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, that, it's my favorite version of Movie Universe Megatron. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. That was really cool. Um, Ash, what were your thoughts on Carly in this film? I, I honestly, I was pissed about Megan Fox leaving. I didn't hate her in this movie, but... Their relation, like, like, I could accept her as a character and that maybe they were dating, but yeah. them being ready to marry? Fuck no. Not even right. close. Um, yeah, just the whole implication was there. I mean, he, I mean, Sam does say, well, you need to slow down, you know, jokingly to Bumblebee, but it's just like, you know, him saying she's the one. Like, what? how? Like, how long have you even been together? Like, I had, you've been with, you were with Michaela for at least, what, f- at least three years, you would assume, you know, like. Well, and you, uh, but on the other know. hand, though, yeah, my, my wife had a point. On the other hand, though, people say that all the time when they're, you know, younger, too. So. Uh, right, yeah. But, yeah. Um, so, let's see. Continuing on here, um, I liked – I don't know the – and again, this has just been my problem the entire fucking series. I don't know any of the Transformers names outside of, like, Bumblebee and Optimus and Megatron, but – Well, they're weird in this one. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll let you. I'll let you go on. The the I, he was like the Randy Transformer. Like he was like dirty uh, in the beginning when he was looking at. Um, he was like she. Carly is like yeah. He was in my underwear drawer yesterday or some shit. Uh, and oh. he's kind of throughout the whole film with the same with like his partner is the guy from the second movie, the little Transformer yes. that Michaela carried around. I liked those two together. I wish there was more of them though because I thought they were pretty funny, but. Yeah, I like them as well. I remember not liking them the first time I saw it, but okay. watching this again today, yeah. uh, the one from the second film, that's Wheelie. Wheelie, okay. Yeah, yeah you're right. Um, I remember them saying that. As for the other one, I don't remember his name. I, I can't uh, either. Like I, I'd have to Specs or something? Uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now here, but yes, I did enjoy those characters though. Um, yeah. Again. Did you guys catch the that they're watching Star Trek? Yes. And did you catch oh, I saw the, that, little, yeah. the little foreshadowing? Oh, this is the one where Spock goes evil. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, no, I didn't. That's good. Though. I so like that. Not so fucking subtle short for, you know, foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah, I like that. No, I didn't catch that part. I did see they were watching Star Trek, but I didn't uh, I didn't catch the Spock goes evil thing. Oh, the other character is Brains. 
Brains, okay. Brains and wheelie. Uh, yeah, spe- I think Specs is what they called him when they were shooting. That's where I'm getting that from. Oh, okay. Because yeah. they, they use different names for him on fucking set than they do when they actually, like, you know. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I really dug those two guys. I thought they were really funny. Funnier than I remember them to be, so. Yeah. Um, and I... Th- this film, I'm kind of just giving kind of such an overview, but this film to me is such a, a different movie. It's such a different mood and tone than the first two films. It has so little humor compared to the first two films. And that's what I love so much about these Transformers movies up to this point was that they made me laugh my ass off a lot. And they combine this crazy action. This one, there are scenes that are funny, like... uh when uh, Sam is going back with Carly, he's driving his shitty car and he's trying to get into the building that he knows yeah. houses Transformers. That scene was fucking hilarious. But there, it's so few and far between in this movie. And that was well, disappointing to me. Well, you got John Malkovich with, you know, his he was, uh, his un- he was good, but I thought he was very underused. I don't oh, know what totally. else he could have done, but like, yeah, he was it, right. You basically just said it. It was essentially a cameo. Like, yeah. Um, and, but I and thought he was good. With- and same Great. thing with, um, uh, with Ken Jeong. Yeah, Jerry I, Wang. I know. See, another one that would have been excellent if he was in the movie more. But, um, you know, again, I thought uh, Shia was awesome in this movie. He's, I love him, yeah. Um, He's just such a mark for Shia LaBeouf, but yeah. Well, you, you know what? Again, I don't remember – like, I, I didn't like him prior to watching these movies over again. Really? You know, I thought – because you just get this pompous, uh, you know, what, what he does in social media yeah. and this whole like – and – Rewatching these films, I have such a great appreciation for his comedic timing. Mm-hmm. Like he's fucking good in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Like it's too bad he doesn't do more comedies because he was often in Fury. Um, but but these Transformer films, like I just don't remember him being so good, mm-hmm. and he is so good. And same thing for John Turturro. He's fucking funny in this movie as well. See, that was such a another just big disappointment to me because really? he's excellent in the first two films and he yeah. is just relegated to a almost nothing background character here but he has a he's few doing? funny moments but eh, not he, much at all he's doing the whole uh dr loomis in uh, halloween 2 gimmick yes yes he is you know yeah, but well caught that <laughs> yeah i and, and then I, I had no idea i don't remember alan tudyk being in this film and him and as his like chauffeur butler bodyguard. Oh, he was. I liked him. Awesome. Yeah, like, he was like an assassin to, in his former life. In, yeah, like he, he's the his bar. Alfred. <laughs> that was funny. Turo had an Alfred in this movie. Yeah. You know, um, so I might agree with you know not being as funny as the last mm-hmm. one. Maybe tone down the amount of uh, of comedy. Yeah, um, but I thought it still hit pretty well. Yeah, I just did. I it think, didn't I as well for me. Tone, I guess overall tone in this movie was a little more serious because. This it's one darker, yeah. Okay, well, the other ones were action movies. This one almost feels like the Transformers War movie. I mean, they just they go yeah. ape shit in this. Yeah, the Siege of Chicago. I totally agree with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and at the same time, I thought number two was too funny. Like oh, that, that no. first half is practically no, no. just comedy. I know you it's know? amazing. It's like the second one is slapstick, and this one is like you know. We're no longer kids anymore. We have responsibilities in life. So this is our our end trilogy piece, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so I didn't mind the change in tone for the third film. I did not. Yeah, either. I guess. I, I don't know. I wouldn't have minded if I liked it better, I guess. I don't know if that, that yeah. makes sense, but whatever. Um, 
And so the the parents, right? We I, we talked about how much we love the parents in the first one. I I liked them again in the second one. Here, it just it felt like they were different people. Specifically, the dad. Like what what I loved about his about the dad so much in the first movie was just how like how much he just you know stood up for his son, loved his son, and and. Uh, kind of his uh, blasé attitude with him and his mom. Um, and in this one, they're kind of, they're still blasé, right? They're just like traveling the fucking country in this giant, uh, whatever it's called, trailer. And, uh, but, bus. yeah. But here, there, he's just like being an asshole to his son about not finding this job, which again was a thing I just didn't buy into. Um, and it just, it, brought it 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 made him come off as a different character than what we've come to love from before and that bugged me when this movie was written it would have been written about 2009 2010 because it came out in 2012 right Uh, 11 okay 11 yeah yeah so yeah so it would have been written in 2009 at the height of unemployment in the country and the recession so i find it completely believable especially since i got laid off around that time so Right, yeah. so why would so? <laughs> I feel like that's even less yeah, reason for him find, to be a complete I could asshole not to his find son. Steady work for a year and a half, almost. Well, two yeah. Years. So, so wouldn't I, I feel like that gives him even less of a reason to be an asshole to his son, who's no, who's yeah. clearly doing all but these you know interviews but and you know struggling. What? I got that from my parents. I got that from my wife's parents. I got that from a whole bunch of people. Obviously, you're not working hard enough to find a fucking job. Well, you know what? There yeah. aren't no fucking jobs. Yeah. <laughs> I even applied to McDonald's. So I find the fact that he can't find a job completely believable. Especially the way, the it's who he is. It's who he is that I can't find it believable. Well, the, the way I see it is now in the first film and even to a point in the second film, um, they're cheapskates, you know, they keep mm-hmm. saying, oh, honey, you're so cheap. You're so cheap, you know. And after number two, after their house exploded, well, they are now flush with cash. Right. You know, they're wearing matching, they're wearing matching uh, Jump. leisures or jumpsuits. Yeah. They got this huge bus that's hauling a car mm-hmm. for cross country travel. Um, it's like money changes you. And now they're flush with money. And they're looking at their son like, what, you know, why don't you make something for yourself? Look at us. But yeah, this is also be. got because of me. So to me, like their their change in position is because mm-hmm. well, they're they're like government rich now. Because, right. That's you true. know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's how I, I saw it. Yeah, that could that could that could be I could see that yeah. definitely. Yeah. Money corrupts. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, there there's so much uh they're so less important in this one than they were in the second one. Um which yeah. it was okay, I guess, but uh just well, notable. They're, they're, a f- they're a footnote in this one. Right. I did love the scene though when his mom's like, "You've had like two of the prettiest girls on planet Earth with you. Like, there's no way you're gonna get a third one unless you have a unless you have a giant uh, like implying that he had a huge dick." I thought that was just fucking yeah. hilarious. But and she should know she probably bathed them for a long time. So you know. Oh man. But yeah, um, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, uh, I it, I was glad they didn't really go too far on it, but the um. I thought it was strange, like with the Transformers fighting American wars. I thought it was just kind of strange. Um, well, that's the thing; they're not global protectors, you know. It's like the yeah. USA have them in their nest program and right. do things that is best for the U.S. interest. Can you imagine the Transformers under a Trump administration? That'd be horrible. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know what Everything I mean? Horrible now. Yeah. 
Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, no, they're they're American. They're American robots. They're not global robots. They're they're helping people around the world because you know it helps the U.S. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, it's a very patriotic. It's very pro uh, pro America. Yeah, I don't know. Why it's Michael Bay film. Like, what are they going to do? Go pro you know pro Europe? No, it's you know it's it's U.S. based. Yeah, it was just such a small scene that I felt like didn't need to be there. That. And it would have sit with me a little bit better, I guess. Because, I mean, in the first movie, they're just talking about how they don't want to hurt the humans. Like, they let Bumblebee be taken away because they'll hurt the humans if they don't, if they try to stop it. But here mm-hmm. they are just killing people. I mean, just because they're not American doesn't mean they're not people. So, like, I, that that bugged me. When, when, like are they they killing, need it. when are they killing people? Uh, don't they? It's um, like they, sh- they blow up this base. I don't know where it is. Like, some desert area. For like, it's literally like a 20 second, 30 second scene. I see him, they drive in, Bumblebee's with him is the only one I could recognize. And they, there's a guy standing there with a gun, like uh, behind a fence area, like a base looking thing. Oh, oh, that's that's in Iran, I believe. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. um, Honestly, I don't remember casualties, but I remember the scene you're speaking of. Yeah. uh, it just felt like they were killing people. But I guess I don't know. I didn't see like people dying, I guess, but it just felt like they're blowing up people, you know? It's, That's- it's like they're neutralizing threats, but they're not yeah. killing people. So they're more effective than drones. Yeah. They're effectively using it. They're being used as drones, really. That could be, yeah. I like the uh, the scene in Chernobyl. I like, I love that setting, the Chernobyl setting. And I want to see a good movie set there entirely because like Chernobyl Diary sucked. I <laughs> I try to like that movie and I have the multiple times I watched it, but it sucked. But like, I really want to see a, a good movie set in Chernobyl because it's such like a, uh, a, a genuinely um, realistically um, scary place. Are, are you place. forgetting the Matthew Broderick Godzilla? I mean, come on. Oh, is, I don't, I've seen that a couple times, but I don't remember it being in Chernobyl. The, the opening sequence that introduces his character, he's yeah. looking at earthworms in Chernobyl to see what the effect of the radiation is on the earthworms. Oh, yes. okay. I didn't remember that at all, no. Oh, that Godzilla's, that Godzilla's underrated. I'm a big fan of I, Godzilla you know, 97. The, yeah, I when the, the new one came out, I watched that one, and then I went and I back and I watched the Matthew Broderick one, and I enjoyed the Matthew Broderick one more. Because Ooh, yeah. it was fun. No, and, I li- I like the Matthew yeah. Broderick one, but I love the the newest one. I there's there's two reasons why the Matthew Broderick one's better. Or actually, there's two words I should say, and that's Jean Reno. He makes <laughs> yes. everything better. He is fucking awesome. Uh, every line he has in that movie is fucking gold. <laughs> I don't frankly don't remember who that is, but Jean Reno, the professional. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's the French okay. Like I, trying to cover up Godzilla. <laughs> he's awesome in everything. Oh, fuck, I love John Reno. Hmm. I loved Shockwave in this. I, like his, I think it was Shockwave, right? He's like the Tremor-like Transformer that was going through the building in Chernobyl, and then he does it again yes. in Chicago. I, see, yeah. I, th- I thought that was his pet or something. Like, he wrote well, it, it. It was they, weird. They refer to it as his pet, but yeah, it's definitely under his control either way. Oh, Okay. But whatever it was, I thought that was really cool, um, and I liked it in Chernobyl. It looked fantastic. Like, yeah, just, man, the way it was going through the building and <laughs> things flying off. I don't know. It just looked so like real. Like it was actually something happening. Like it looked so damn good. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. It, it did look really good. Very destructive though. Like how how yeah. can you hide something so big? You would think the Nest guys would be all over like big uh, Amazon signatures like that, right? Like. These mon- these transformers are getting so big 
And it's like it's a animal transformer mm-hmm. because it doesn't really transform. It's just like a big like robotic Decepticon tapeworm. Yeah, I yeah, it was odd. Yeah, I just kept the Tremors and image. We just got kept the coming Prime trailer in this though, and that's a yes. Yeah, we did. I actually clapped when I saw it, and it looked yeah, like the over. old cartoon. It had like the lines on the trailer, and yeah, I was very happy to see that. He looks better when he's hauling something. Um. The, what was I going to say? Oh, so we already talked about John Malkovich and how great he was, but I love like one of his first lines when he's yelling about the girl who has the red cup on the orange floor. <laughs> it's a visual and therefore a visceral betrayal. Stop it. Like, it was just so fucking funny. I love that line. Um, That was great. I love that they, um, like the way they were able to tie in at least seemingly real history to this Transformer storyline, it just made it feel mm-hmm. more legit, and I really liked that. As someone who's pretty yeah. ignorant to history, I don't know how real it was, but it felt like it could have been real, if nothing else, and I liked that about it. Well, that's why I like the whole reboot of the X-Men series with First Class, is because they used a Cuban ah, Missile yes. Crisis. Love that, so yeah. I like when you can merge historical fact with, you know, yeah. science fiction. Exactly. It just makes it yeah. feel more, uh, like, plausible. plausible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. What what's his name? The guy who played the boss, Patrick Dempsey. Yes. Um, so obviously, the first time Sam meets him, I thought was just hilarious when um, Carly comes out and says, "When they're standing by the car, are you threatened by him?" And then just his like fake laugh uh, in his what by his his good looks, <laughs> his money, his power. No, what's there to be a, like threatened? By? I don't know. Um, I really enjoyed that, but his whole thing. <sighs> I don't know how the movie would have worked without it, and so that's fine, but I just didn't – it was another thing I just didn't buy into, I guess, was that this character, this human character was like a part of these Transformers and was willing to turn the world to shit. Like, I don't – it was just – when it when the reveal came, I was like, what? He to turn the world to shit because, you know, as long as he got his. Yeah, and, and he keeps also saying, you know, I was out. like a Republican in Congress right now trying to take away the NCA, <laughs> but they got their yeah. fucking insurance. It's the same goddamn thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I get maybe it was just the way it was presented and his, like, when he was like, when he first, I don't remember what the line was, but he says something that, like, oh, my dad was at NASA or whatever the hell the line was. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So he clearly has a history here that's going to be interesting, but it wasn't. It was just he's tied to them because of the money. I was like, oh, okay. Um, that's the it's, like, it's like he he's tied into the, the Decepticons, but in return he gets a life of luxury. Yeah. And I, I just I just didn't buy it. I, I can't see humans exactly. collaborating with the Decepticons. Actually, yeah, I guess there always are sniveling people. They, they, they did that in the con- in the cartoon and in the comics. That's true. Uh, actually, that's true. And same thing with you know Dr. with you know Arkham humans comparison <laughs> and, and people compare uh, conspiring with the Autobots. I guess it's the same thing. But I just can't. I just can't see a human you know wanting to help the Decepticons and have their homeworld destroyed. But I know it was just. Uh, it takes all weird. kinds. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whatever it was about it, it, it just I didn't enjoy that part of the storyline, um, and uh, I, I thought there was going to be something better, I guess, presented than than what was there. But mm-hmm. um, so there's that point. Well, I, I want to say the guys, the Transformers' name was like Laserbeak or some shit. Yes. Okay. The the, the bird. Yeah. When he was yeah. like entering that family's house. 
and attacking them. Like he's like drinking tea with the daughter. I thought that was a genuinely creepy scene that I wish they would have like kind of kept going a little bit longer, done more with. Yeah. Um, I like that. And I thought it'd been cool if there was, if there was something more to it. Thing is with laser beak in the G1 universe, he's more of a pet to Sunway, oh, okay. which we saw, I think we saw Sunway briefly in this film, right? Yeah. Like just like for a split second. Yeah. He's he was in, there. Yeah. He's in both the second and third film. Is he in the second film? Yeah. He's the satellite. Mm-hmm. No, I, I know thought it was Shockwave. I thought Shockwave was a satellite. Nope, that was Soundwave. See, and that's again, the Decepticons are all the same to me. Yeah. I, yep. I thought that was Shockwave well, the whole time. You couldn't tell from the Inspector Gadget slash Soundwave voice from Frank Welker? No. Hmm. Yeah, they actually got Frank Welker to come in to do Soundwave's voice again. That's but it didn't, cool. it didn't sound like the cartoon to me. The, they just didn't put the flange on it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it was, I thought it was Shockwave the whole time. Because um, he's in space. And that's another thing. Why do Autobots need to... Okay, so... I, I, I'm, I'm jumping here, but it just thought crossed my mind. Yeah. So I think I know where you're going. Okay. So we were able to fly to the, yes. to the moon to get the right. piece of the, <laughs> of the ship. Yeah. But then Autobots have no other way to leave Earth but through a shuttle. I know. What? I was like, what the why, why is this happening? Why are they yeah. on this fucking space shuttle? Yeah. I mean, and I know why it happens because it sets up the whole, you know, final sure. moments of them coming back. But yeah, it seems so silly that they had to send up this, this, you know, rocket ship. To hey, you know what? You know what it was? Because they were retiring the U.S. shuttle program and Michael Bay wanted to get one more spank session off with it. <laughs> and, and, and I'm joking. Seriously? Yeah. They, that this Because this was filmed like just before they retired the shuttle program. Oh. So, wait, you guys aren't flying shuttles anymore? No, we have not had space shuttles for like four years. Really? All of our, yeah, all of our shit going to space is being launched on Russian rockets right now. And well, and the American um, company SpaceX and, and Dragon and shit. Yeah. Because we've got about eight shuttles in Canada. We just send back bacon up to the, to the space station. <laughs> back bacon and ketchup chips. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, another thing that bugged me with that sequence is it's such a big ship, mm-hmm. so you'd think it would take a lot to take it down. But Starscream shoots six missiles at it. Yeah. And it gets blowed up. Right. Why even all congregate into a ship to begin with? Right. You know, like, you, you don't breathe, so you don't need air. Mm-hmm. You just need booster. You know, like, it just stuff like that doesn't make sense to me. Like, where are these Transformers go- that can transform into shit, not transform <laughs> into ships, so they don't have to be in a bigger ship. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that bugs and me too. if it's a bigger ship... How can one Transformer shoot down such a big ship? Mm-hmm. But you didn't yeah. think too much into it. But because, the payoff yeah. with that, I thought, was one of the one of the better shots in the movie when uh, they have like Shia LaBeouf in the or Sam in the foreground looking up, seeing the rocket or the missiles hit the ship and it exploding with the sun mm-hmm. like setting in the background. I thought yeah. that was just a gorgeous fucking shot. But it is, yeah. yeah. To get to it was a little ridiculous. Um, we talked about him already. Um, uh, Ken Jong is just hilarious. Um, and just fucking psycho. Like that man is psycho <laughs> in like every film he's in. I just feel like in real life, he would probably be, be that intense, but I don't know. Um, but he's so, he's just a good actor. He's great. It's, funny. It seems he just keeps playing his, uh, hangover character yes, over and over again. Exactly. That's, but that's hey, all it the really motherfucker's is, right? making a living off it. Go for it. You know, who cares? Yeah. And really, and this is at the, the uh, at his peak at this point mm-hmm. when he was on Community. 
Yeah. Um, so he's playing, you know, he's playing Chang, he's playing Mr. Chow. Right. Uh, into this character. Yeah. Of Jerry Sands. Yeah, no doubt. Um, he's the Asian Michael Cera. Right. <laughs> yes. Or the, exactly. the Michael Penis Michael Cera. Right. <laughs> oh, man. What did you think of, what, what the hell was her title? Frances McDormand's title. Was she like the National Defense Secretary? Oh, fuck. I don't know. Whatever she was. Yeah. Like she bugged me, man. I like I wanted her to win the Sam versus National her fight. Like she was such a piece of shit to him, calling him like uh what did she call him? A witness, not a witness, a uh messenger. Calling yes. him the messenger. I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Like you know what happened. You have to. She, it's your job. She, like she's calling him a Transformer Starfucker in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Exactly. He's a hanger on. He's the he's the turtle of the Transformer movies. Yeah. It's just um, like, ah oh, God, but, I don't know. But even with all that, she really lets him tag along with no issues whatsoever. She just bitches you know, about it the whole time. She bitches, but she still lets him. Yeah. Like, if you're so high up, bar him from the building. Yeah, exactly. But, but then she realizes every time he says something, it's true. So, whatever. Right. But it just, like, at first, is like all, all this negative stuff, but you still let him tag along. Yeah. And I felt like Weird. she was, it, it felt, because I wrote in, like, I can't wait for her to get her comeuppance, you know, for her, that, that realization that she fucked up and that he is necessary. And yeah. they, they don't, they, like, Clearly, she realizes it, but they don't really do anything. Like, there's nothing big made of it on screen. And I felt like there could have been just like a more of a realization that she fucked up. And that's what I wanted to see because she annoyed me. But uh, that's just not there. But I don't think that realization just because she kind of doesn't – she doesn't lock uh, Sam out of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if you say anything, like, you'll go to jail for treason for life. But, she, she, you know, he still gets in. So, I think if, you know, let's say it was her that shut off the whole Transformers program from the second movie, then she's the bad guy until they need him, then she brings it back up again. But in this case, it's like, she tells Sam, why are you here? But since you have a history, come on, come on anyways, just don't touch anything. Yeah. So, she's like, she could be the human villain, but she really isn't. You know, like, like you know how it's always like the bureaucratic uh, asshole. Right. And she just, that never really gets at that point with her. Yeah, I I was I was very surprised to see uh, Bill O'Reilly make an appearance in this film. <laughs> Isn't he great? He's so good. Oh God, what a piece of shit! Um, <laughs> so, uh, okay, so this one it felt really long to me. At this point, we were like an hour in, and I hit like I like pulled up the button to see like how long we were in and i was shocked that we were only an hour in because i was just like fuck this movie is moving super slow um and i think it's because there there are a couple small action scenes but in the first two films i mean like you're starting your movie out with action sequences right um and they kind of continue this one you don't really have action sequences in the first hour and I think that really hurt this one for me. It just made it drag a significant amount. Um, but then maybe 15 minutes later, that all changes. And then like the rest, the rest, like the next hour flew by because we're in Chicago. And then like the last 20 minutes just dragged like fuck again. I'm like, oh my God, let's just end this. Uh, so it's just a really, really weird pacing throughout this one because I feel like it's slow, then it flies, and then it just halts again, and it really bugged me. Yeah, well, we're working with different dynamics this time because then we've got the whole Sent- Sentinel Prime versus Optimus Prime. You've mm-hmm. got uh, Dylan versus Sam. Um, 
which I really, I kind of wish that dynamic just didn't exist in the film. Which one? I'm sorry. Uh, Dylan versus Sam. This whole like fighting for Carly. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I, I just, it's, it for a Transformers film and with a new character, yeah. I just didn't care about that whatsoever. Honestly, exactly. I'm like, Carly, stick, stay with Dylan. Go ahead. I don't right. give a shit about you. No way. Yeah. <laughs> if it was Michaela, I would drive down to Chicago to save her. Uh, right. But uh, for yes. her, I just don't care. I know. Like she was, you know? she's gorgeous, but I just did not, uh, did not like her. No, you know what? Let's see. What else has she done since Transformers? Let's look at this now. And so she was in Mad Max. Oh, she's her in Mad Max. Oh, okay. And that's it. She was actually good in Mad Max as the pregnant one. She's a model though, like like Victoria's yeah. Secret. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. what she probably does. I would imagine. But yeah, you know, she she's beautiful, and is she hotter than Megan Fox? It depends if like blonde or brunette, right? Or, or you know, dark-haired uh, girls. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can tell she's a model. It's, it's those lips. Yeah. Um, what else? So, well, you know what? Was, what I really yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. You you can. I was just gonna the we we finally get like some big action moments like 67 minutes into the film, and mm-hmm. the what stood out there was Bumblebee is the Camaro. Sam's in the in the pass in the seat. He turn. Oh, I think and Carly might be there too. She he yeah. turns into the Transformer. Catches Sam and then turns back into the Camaro. Like that just looked really impressive. I like that a lot. That a cool is shot. The, that is the one where they reuse the shot from the island. That whole chase sequence. See, I couldn't. I I didn't see it. I didn't see it in this movie. Well, and that's that's just it because they you. It's like it is exactly something like five fucking seconds of footage. Oh, okay. and oh, yeah. their Transformers edited into it. So. It, it basically, uh, there's like one car that gets hit, and in the island, it's because of uh, a railroad um, railroad car tie going off and hitting the car. Mm-hmm. And okay. in the Transformers movie, it's the Transformer flying back and hitting the car. So they basically CGI'd over the Transformer hitting the car instead of the railroad wheels. Yeah. I don't know why people make such a big deal about it. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, it's, it's literally three to five seconds and it's his movie. Right. Like, yeah, I, who cares? It, it is weird though that. It's like Star Trek has made a history out of reusing footage, props. Who knows? You know, it's right. five fucking seconds of, seconds of footage. Come on. I know. It's so minuscule. What were you going to say, Mark? I don't know. I was kind of, I wouldn't say outraged, but I was kind of surprised that he would reuse footage. Like, if he shot something for a film but that wasn't in that film is one thing, but those five seconds was in the island, and then he reuses it for Transformers, that's something else, because it was already in a film, you know? Like, if it's bonus stuff or, like, deleted scenes, that's one thing. Was that? You're saving cost. Yeah, but for Transformers film, you know, what's five seconds? You know what I mean? Well, <laughs> I, I don't have to see GI the Transformer in. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, to, to me, kind of bugged me. Uh, now, I, honestly, I think I'm more mellow in my old age, so I don't care as much. But I know back then I was kind of like, what the fuck, you know? I mean, but now, yeah, it, I, I, I don't just, care as much anymore. I, I don't care about a lot of stuff anymore. So. Right. I know. I just can't get passionate about five seconds like that. Uh, somebody was, was nice enough to post a comment on our first episode of Transformers and uh, posted the YouTube video showing the footage. And it was literally like a, sky, uh, a flyover of a naval ship that was reused. And it's literally like a three second clip. And it's like, uh, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But it was interesting to see it. Um, and I, I'm glad I know that, but it just didn't bug me, I guess. 
Um, and then this is kind of something you were talking about earlier. So I wrote down, I was like, did this Decepticon just fucking bleed? Uh, but it wasn't blood, obviously, because it's a Decepticon. Yeah. But like liquids spewed from him and that shocked me. And that happens um, multiple times throughout this. And I was really surprised to see that because it doesn't exist in the other ones. Yeah, not in the first one, I don't believe at all. Yeah. But especially in this one, like when Starscream's talking to uh, Sam, he's he's frothing frothing at the mouth, mm-hmm. you know? He, like, he's so excited that he's got someone on one time to kill him that he's spitting his words out. Yeah. Um, and then just with the punches and with the... Another thought came to mind with all the fluids is how violent this movie is. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. But the robot, so we don't care. Right. But let's say we switched the robots to humans. Mm-hmm. We've got dip, decapitations. We've got face pulling off. We've yeah. got, you know, like, it's a, this, I thought this one was very violent compared to the previous ones, but it's cartoony because they're robots and they're make-believe. Yeah, I feel like but, it's gotten more violent in each one. Like, I feel like the second yes. one's more violent than the first one and the third one's more violent than the second one. Yeah, so I'm curious to see how number four is going to uh, is gonna play back, but right. I thought, like, the like, third one was Really, like they're just ripping throats out, and yeah. oh, you know, like, it's almost like the fourth one gets worse with it with the robot violence. Yeah, yeah. Like when he kills Ironhide, he literally like taught like I think it was Ironhide he killed anyway. Yeah, he like pulls him out. He's walking. He's like, "Oh, we surrender. Where you getting?" And poof, like fucking shotgun shot to the head, and it's like, "Holy shit, man! You just destroyed him!" Like that is. I violent. was thinking this is like a robotic version of Ash versus the Evil Dead. <laughs> where you know it's like it's like how ash would react with a shotgun blast right. like back to the head yeah. ripping the bodies of the deadites mm-hmm. it's kind of this the same type of it's so over the top that you can't take it seriously yeah but it's still like if you were there in like if you're in sam's shoes yeah it'd be fucking scary to see this happen in, in real time you know so that, that reminds me of uh turbo kid this is my gnome stick I love that. <laughs> yeah oh man but anyway oh yeah, so, well, speaking of weapons I also liked when Centennial Prime was fighting Optimus. Optimus had his uh, glowing orange axe. Yeah, that was cool. Is, yeah, which I really dug a lot. Is that from the uh, comic or the cartoon? From the cartoon, the cartoon yeah. yeah. Okay. In the cartoon, he had in, like a, a glowing orange, slightly gold axe, and then the Megatron had like a a purple violet uh, ball and chain. Right. Like a, like a mace. A mace. That's the word. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool little like homage to the to the cartoon. Mm-hmm. I liked um, Simmons' line when they're watching him fly away. He's like, uh, a year from now, they're going to ask, where were you when they took over the planet? We'll just have to say we stood by and watched. I thought that was a good line. Um, But a severe lack of memorable or quotable lines in this one, which I thought was another disappointment compared to the first two, which I was just writing down fucking line after line. Although although this one has less of a plot problem than the second one by a lot. They used humor to cover up that a lot in the second one. That may be, but I still enjoyed the plot or the the story in the second one more than the third one. I'll have to admit, um, I'm hating Prime more and more as the series goes along Hmm. because he's a lot like a big Boy Scout. Yeah. And I, I just, what I don't like is just the way he speaks sometimes with all these like, we have to save the world to save ourselves or mm-hmm. hello, old friend. How are you again? Oh, you know, it's just, I'm just by the third film, he's getting kind of cringy with his dialogue. I don't think he's written well anymore. 
Um, he just seems like he's the wise leader. So every word has, has meaning and has gravitas to it. Like he just doesn't speak but, like everybody else. I, I just, it, it kind of gets on my nerves at this point. See, I, I, that, I, that didn't come crawl like, crawl, uh, bleh. I didn't get that from it. Um, yeah, I didn't either. But I will say that I thought he was just kind of, uh, almost uh, just such a small factor in this film compared to the other two. He just didn't seem to matter nearly as much as the human characters mattered in this time around. Yeah, I think he's got a diminished role in this one, especially mm-hmm. with the Battle of New York of Chicago. Chicago, yeah. He gets tangled up into wires for like right. half the fight, which I'm like, fuck, shoot that, the wires, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? The hell out of me was the the whole like final battle in Chicago was the lack of Autobots. Maybe there was a, a a reason given why they weren't why no one was there, but like there was nothing until a very specific moment when Optimus Prime finally shows up, and then nothing again, and then finally Bumblebee decides to show up. It's like where the fuck is everybody? Yeah, this film is more human uh, oriented than yeah, the previous films, definitely. which is nice because I don't want to have five movies of being Prime, 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 you know. Uh, because you know, the next, like the, the one coming out now, the last night, it's like prime going bad, uh, for, you know, it's like prime riding dinosaurs. Uh, so this, this one seems to be more about the, the humans, the wikis and whatever. And, and I actually like that because it seems this movie shows how beatable the transformers are. Cause in the first ones, you know, they had the special bullets, which I'm assuming they adapted for all the films. Um, but they looked almost like unbeatable in the first movie. Yeah. And by the third one, it's like they're shooting just machine guns and they're gunning right, them yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. Know? So yeah. it's like the Transformers themselves, they went from godlike to be more more of just another threat that can be contained, you know? And something else, just didn't Scorponok die in the first movie? Because he makes an appearance in the third one, the, the Scorpion guy. He did, but um, repaints. Of the toy lines, remember they 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 made clones of like all of the toys. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I remember, so it's kind of like that because like you know, Starscream had Thundercracker and Skywarp, and they were just yeah. repaints of Starscream, and yeah. you know, and so on and so forth. So they're going, they're kind of going with that idea because like uh, there's like a dump truck that they modded over from one of the construction vehicles that formed Devastator. He's like a complete repaint into uh, like, they just redid him up and dressed him up like a uh, like a dump truck in this one. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was, was kind of interesting. Um and and that's the thing too like the Decepticons in this movie, you had Shockwave, you had Megatron, you had Centennial Prime, you had Laserbeak, you had Starscream, and the rest is just cannon fodder. Like mm-hmm. in the first movie, you could relate the characters to like the G1 versions or the comic versions or whatever. But in this one, because the Decepticons are like taking over Chicago, it's just way after wave of like nameless robots, you know, yeah. which, which kind of sucks in a way. Because I want to see more of the ones that I grew up with. But, you know, as films – and that's what I did in film four with the Dinobots. But with film three, it's like there's really nobody that, that I really cared about Transformer-wise that, that are new that came up. Like even Wheeljack, which they called Q in this movie, which was a uh, homage to James Bond. I didn't know that was Wheeljack because he didn't look like Wheeljack. He, I don't know actually, that is or which one that uh, is. Well, Wheeljack's like an inventor in the in the Generation One uh, cartoon. Oh, okay. And in this one, he's called Q, and 
it's it's an homage to you know Q from James Bond, where he makes all like the the different gadgets for Bond. Oh, and he's the one with with the with the hair. And it's funny because I was looking at him like, fuck, that looks like Doc Brown. And he actually modeled Doc Brown's head from Back to the Future to be Q's head. I genuinely have no idea what Transformer you're talking about. Which one's uh, Q? He gets killed pretty quick. <laughs> oh. Well, he's the one that gets killed in the ambush. You know when you got Bumblebee uh, captured with uh, with Dino, which is Mirage. Um, and another robot. Well, he's the one that gets shot in the head, like execution style, in Chicago. Oh, okay. He's the one that gives uh, Sam like that grappling uh, hand oh, glove God, thing. Yeah, I remember. Okay, yeah, I remember you talking yeah. about. Yep, yep, that's him. Yeah. So he, yeah, they modeled his head from Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I think. Uh, this has one of the most beautiful shots that I've seen in the whole series, and it was the destruction of Chicago at night. Um, like one of the very first shots at it was night in Chicago, obviously, because that's what I just said. Um, <laughs> but like right when it first begins and they are starting to destroy Chicago, it was like I was literally with my jaw sla- like open. Like it was just amazing how good it looked. And I love that. And I love the whole idea that we are watching this destruction of Chicago because you don't see that very often on film. You know, you mm-hmm. see New York, you see LA, you, you see Toronto because it's supposed to be New York. Um, but you don't really see <laughs> Chicago a lot, you know? So Well, it's, it's really windy there, eh? So it's hard to right. shoot. Right, exactly. But I loved that. Yeah, I, I love that whole like last third of the film, the whole battle in Chicago. I thought that was the most exciting full sequence in all of the three films. I thought I, it was really cool. I thought it was very good until, like I said, maybe like the last 20 minutes or so, maybe even 15 minutes where it just got long at the end. I don't remember exactly like what point I yeah. felt that, but at what, some point it hit me. I was like, oh my God, it's like still going on. Like we need to wrap this thing up. Um, but the the work with the falling building was, God, just insane. So yeah. good. Um, and then like, um, you know, shockwave going through it or whatever, shockwave's pet going through it, whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. so good. Um, when the crew, when Sam and the gang like is pulling into Chicago, uh, so they're entering the city, this, all this destruction going on. It's the twilight hour, Dave's favorite time. And there's this like song playing. I don't know what the song was, but oh my God, such a good song. And that's Probably really like where, <laughs> yeah. And that's really where I just, you know, it's just such a different tone than anything we've gotten prior. Just all this death, destruction, all this this sorrow, you know, behind it all. It's just so different. But yeah, it was some really good disaster porn in that in that third film. Mm-hmm. Like really yeah. good. Um, and then this, like we talked already talked about. Just I, I didn't care if he went back in to get Carly. <laughs> I just you know, if it was Michaela, <laughs> it would have been fine. Um, totally. Oh, and do you also uh, notice or, you know, get it that uh, when the Decepticons were congregating, you know, in Chicago, which building they were at? They were at a Trump building? Yeah, Trump Tower. Yeah. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> like, I'll just blow it up. Um, Another great shot, I thought, during this this um, this act here, was, or this the Chicago scene, was the slow motion heartbeat jump out of the falling plane i thought that was just a really good shot um 
And I liked watching those guys fly through the city. I thought that was just fun to watch. And yes, I mean, basically, I'm just agreeing with you that I liked uh, this hour of the film uh, a a good deal. But that and just, you know, I didn't realize that Josh Duhamel was in all three films. I only remembered him from the first one. And I like his character. Mm -hmm. And again, I can't remember if he's in the fourth one or not. But uh, if he ends in this, you know, in, in this trilogy, um, I thought he did a good job all the way through. Right. Oh, and that's the other. So at one point, Sam gets this Decepticon attached to him, right? To his wrist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If they want him dead, the Decepticons want him dead, which they do because they are trying to kill him. The Decepticon is there at this point trying to kill him. Why doesn't this just, the a Decepticon that's attached to his wrist just destroy him? Because they never show it getting off, do they? Yeah, after they confirm that uh, Prime has no backup plan um, or no plan of attack, yeah. um, it pretty much just falls off him. And then he, oh, he did it? it? Yeah, oh, which I is weird because it's, totally attacked, it's attached to his nervous system. Yeah. So it's like, so you could have zapped him there and then game over. Right. And then I was thinking, you know, like after the first film, right? Megatron, he's lifeless again. Why did they save him? Like the movie second film wouldn't have happened if they wouldn't have put him underwater. Right. Like why not just destroy Megatron? Why exactly. keep his lifeless body? If they can destroy these things, which they obviously can, mm-hmm. uh, why yeah, why not just destroy that? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And honestly, I'm no kind sense. of I'm hoping something he changes because I'm just getting sick of Megatron at this point. Like I well, I thought he would be such a now. badass character. And I he frankly, wasn't. he was in the first one and he was fine in the second one, but here he's just, uh, and he literally, the end of the movie comes because he's manipulated by Carly because he's not <laughs> yeah. going to be the leader. I'm like, come on, this is fucking weak as hell. Like, this is how they're going to set up the final moments is, is being manipulated by Carly? Come on. I think the big issue with Megatron, and again, it comes back to being, looking the same as almost everybody else. I think if they were to give him a different color scheme or make everybody else a little different looking, right. then I'd probably follow him better because I didn't think it was that big of a deal in number two. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't the one, of course, but by number two, I'm just confused everything. So I'm like, is that Megatron I just saw or is that another you know unknown Decepticon? No, that's definitely so, a problem in number two. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I like him in three because he had the whole tarp. So he was yeah. distinguished out of everybody else, you know? But they take it off him so much, they doesn't have it that often. Yeah, but he's got that fucked up head now. Yeah, that's true, though. Yeah. You know, so, so I think he looks a little more different than the previous films. Yeah. Which make him stand out. Yeah. But in the, in, in the second film, like in the whole Egypt uh, fight scene mm-hmm. in the desert, I'm like, is that him walking after um, Sam? Or is that uh, Underling? Or is that Starscream even? Because they look very similar. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a bit of an issue with, you know, I like Megatron as a villain. I just thought that he was underused uh, in two and three. Yeah. And I think it's just because I wasn't sure if I was looking at him or not. Um, the uh, they they pay off this Sam versus Dylan thing, and at the end, right? Like, and I just like I why did I just wanted that to end? Like, <laughs> did not need to waste the time on paying that off. Um, but this whole thing it was it was very reminiscent of like Star Wars and something more recently of Avengers. Uh, the first one where the, the conveniently there's this one thing that's in the city that they're in that the good guys can hit on the bad guys that will destroy everything. 
and make it all go away. And it's just so convenient. And it's like, oh, okay. I've seen this just a million times already. Which or Any but, death machine has a exhaust vent, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so. Um, and then, yeah, we get some more. Megatron squirts out some more shit. <laughs> that was unusual. But yeah, and then that final moment where Sam and Carly come together, I just thought it was so weak because I just didn't care. Yeah. So, anything else to add to this, or do we want to uh, jump to our final thoughts in our star rating for this one? Um, I think that's it for me. I'm just bummed. I know you guys talked about it probably last week. I haven't listened to the podcast yet, but uh, with RC being in the second film, I thought it was awesome. But then she died, so I was hoping to see more RCs in this one or more female Transformers. Yeah, that's. Uh, but the only time you really see it is Laserbeak transforming to that girl robot. And then enough just to get the girl to open, you know, the like just for the parents to to, to get killed by the by laser beak after, you know, like there's really yeah, there are genders in the Transformers, but all we're seeing is male Transformers. It's just too bad. I see didn't survive the second one, or there wasn't any more female Transformers in this one. I made note of that the last time I was in shock because I didn't realize there was I didn't realize there were female Transformers in the second film until I heard one line of dialogue from a female yeah. voice and then she died literally at the end of her line. I'm like, wait, they introduced a female Transformer and then literally killed her a second later? <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah it's really so. too bad because I like I, I like the scene in the car, in the uh, in a comic in a cartoon. Yeah, um, because she's a car in a cartoon. And here she's she's uh, on a bike, and I like how they project a rider on the bike because it would look kind of goofy without having a rider, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's too bad that she got dismissed and dispatched so quickly. Yeah. All right. So, um, what about you, Ash? Anything else to add, or you just want to jump onto your uh, your final thoughts and your star rating for this one? Uh, I think we're good. All right, go for it. So, what uh, what do you think about Transformers: Dark of the Moon? Give me your final thoughts and your star rating, Ash. Um, I'm gonna go with um. I like this one a lot better than the other one. Um, I think the action sequences were a little bit better planned out. They were just kind of, rather than just kind of thrown together just for the hell of it because, you know, hey, we barely have a shooting script anyway. Let's see what we can do. Um, I had a lot more fun with it. I enjoyed the film a lot more. Um, and I thought the, uh, and I I thought the effects were pretty good. Um, I like that we saw Prime's trailer. I could care less about Carly, but I think their relationship felt forced. Um, I think Prime, Prime in this one, I think by the end of it, the wars kind of ground him down bad. Um, I think that, that would probably be my my best guess on Prime. Just by the end of the movie, he's just like I'm done. Um, but even then, just the the battle in Chicago is fantastic. It's still amazing to watch. Uh, as for closing out the trilogy, it's I think it's more a more you know well the trilogy for Sam anyway it looks like they're going far out with the rest of them but as far as like you know concluding Sam's trilogy I thought you know it was it was decent uh, I would have liked to have seen Megan Fox back um, you know obviously they they mended fences and she ended up in Teenage Ninja Turtles which she produced but you know or Michael Bay produced but I I think. It was a bit ridiculous that they just decided to recast her and, and make her somebody else. Um, overall, though, I enjoyed it. I uh, I didn't enjoy it as much as the first film, um, but I it had enough enough callbacks that I enjoyed it. I, I do think that Starscream's death was absolutely ridiculous. 
Uh, I, I, getting killed by Sam was ugh. Anyway, yeah. Um, so I give this one like a. I guess I give this one a three out of four. All right, perfect. And what about you, Mark? What's your final thoughts and star rating on Transformers: Dark of the Moon? Um, I liked it a lot more than I remembered it. Uh, from back in the day when I saw it back in 2011, um, I thought it was funny. I thought the action was really good. Um, we finally saw some Transformers with balls in this one. Like Ironhide, you know, is really gung gung ho a lot. You just but bitched was- about seeing the Transformers balls in the last movie. Make up your mind. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Funny that there weren't any fiber optics coming from them. Weird. Anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, and this one was really cool because then you saw Bumblebee in his battle mode with the car with all the weapons and then as well with the wreckers. Um, so, you know, I enjoyed that tweak because finally they're, it just seems so passive where, you know, I'll save the humans, but you know, they weren't going for kill shots as much, but this one here, they're going, you know, balls out. Um, so I, I like the aggressiveness of them this time here. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Sentinel, Sentinel Prime very much. I just, you know, what, what it's weird is that, you know, Prime offered Sentinel Prime the Matrix or whatever the, you know, his dagger. And then he doesn't take it. But then Double Cross is Prime. Like, why didn't you just take the Matrix of Leadership? I, I, I didn't get that. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, we why? didn't talk about Sentinel at all. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, we didn't really, right? Um, just because, uh, honestly, I didn't really care so much. I know old friend, you know, but I'm like, well, you were offered the, the, the leadership matrix, which would have made you even more powerful, but you didn't take it. I just, I don't know why. Um, that's just nitpicking though. Um, but I, you know, I, I really enjoyed this film. I think this was my second favorite after the first one. First one holds, uh, is near and dear to me because it's well, first in the series, I've seen it so many times. This one I've only seen, I think twice now. Um, but I like a lot more than number two. Um, so out of four stars, I'm going to give this uh, three out of four. All right. Perfect. So um, yeah, excuse me while I repeat virtually everything I've already said, but uh, that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. So, so Transformers Dark of the Moon, it's one of the most visually spectacular films I've ever seen. But unlike the first two films in this series, it's almost all surface beauty with no substance. They trade in the lighthearted nature of the first two films and a lot of the humor for a darker tone, and it just didn't work for me as well. The biggest disappointment in this one, though, has to be the lack of Michaela. Even worse, they do their best to ignore her absence as much as they possibly can. That was a huge loss for me because we spent two films building up Sam and Michaela's relationship, and this third film would have been the payoff, the perfect payoff that was needed. Hell, Bumblebee even talks about rings at the end of this one, like we mentioned. That would have worked perfectly if Michaela was here. But with this new character, it just seems like something they forgot to take out once they realized Megan Fox wasn't going to get in. Um, I hate that Simmons, who was excellent in the first two films, is relegated to a non-factor here, a background character in this, losing out on almost all the humor that made him so great in the first two films. Um, the parents' uh, negativity is another unwelcome addition that hurt what was already established um, and why I loved them so much in the first two films. Um, it was great to see John Malkovich, but his character was underutilized when it could have been so much more. Um, and what happened to the roommate from the last film? Nothing is even mentioned about his existence. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Worse yet is the fact that this film only really works if the audience buys into the idea that Sam can save the world twice, be a national hero twice, 
and yet he still can't get a job and nobody recognizes him? That's ridiculous, especially in DC. Uh, Dark of the Moon is over two and a half hours long, and damn, does it feel like it. The first hour is almost bereft of any real action sequences, and it felt like I'd been watching for two hours after just 60 minutes. Then, the next hour flies by because of all the action. Then it starts to feel long again with about uh, 20 minutes left or so because the Chicago action sequence, which runs for almost 75 minutes, just gets too long-winded by the end of it. Dark of the Moon sure looks great, especially in 3D, but the weak story, poor character development for the main love interest, lack of many memorable lines which were prevalent in the first two films, and because it's bereft of much action for the first hour, really make this the worst of the series for me. So I'm giving Transformers Dark of the Moon two out of four stars. So clearly I didn't hate it, but I was not uh, not what I was hoping for, I guess. Yeah. So fantastic. So Let's move on to our CSSC 6 feature film discussion. Uh, so this week, there was just kind of craziness. So uh, Mark, because moving, wasn't able to watch either of them. I only no. was able to watch um, one of them. Ash was able to watch the other. Uh, Ashley was able to watch both, fortunately. So I'll talk a little bit about these. Um, so week three of CSSC 6 is uh, The Battle of the Decades, part two. So 1950s versus 1960s. So we actually have two films for the first time, uh, two featured films for the first time in CSSC history. So the first one was It Came From Outer Space from 1953, and the second one was The Haunting from 1963. So I have not seen The Haunting, um, so I won't talk about that. We'll leave that to Ash. Um, so I'll talk about It Came From Outer Space a little bit. Um, so I didn't write down anything, which is unusual, um, but there's not a whole hell of a lot to talk about with this one, I guess. Um, this spaceship... Uh, crashes in uh, in Arizona desert, um, and these uh, this what do they call them? An amateur stargazer and a school teacher suspect alien influence when the local townsfolk begin to act strangely. It's almost like a um, invasion of the body snatchers uh, type of thing because like this alien creature can take the form of humans, and uh, basically they're trying to ship fix their ship and then leave um and that's really the whole thing um there's it's it's a good film i like the characters um i like how the story progresses uh i wish i would have seen the um the actual alien a little bit more um but with what's there uh, of the alien, it's kind of just unmemorable, I guess. And like the uh, the effect that they have when the aliens like looking at a person is really strange because like a giant eye forms on the screen. Uh, so that was kind of weird. Uh, one thing I thought was very interesting was that uh, the main character, John Putnam, is played by Richard Carlson, who could literally be John Cena's father. <laughs> like the features are identical. It's crazy. Um, but... What did you think about uh, It Came From Outer Space, Mark? Uh, I'm sorry, Ash? Um, this is actually the first time I've seen it. I've seen the monster before in kits uh, being sold. Okay. So I And I went into this blind. I didn't look up plot, nothing. Yeah. Um, so it. I was expecting monster movie just because of the creature, you know, the alien design. Right. Um, and what I got was more of a, not necessarily a sci-fi thriller, but it's more of like a, you know, uh, it's more like a Twilight Zone or Outer Limits episode extended into a film. Yeah, it felt very Twilight Zone to me. That's another thing. Yeah, I was say. and and it's got 
it's got an interesting message to it and some mm-hmm. neat, you know, effect shots that I thought were pretty good, especially for the time. Yeah. Um, but there's some really stupid character moments, which, you know, you can expect in B-movie, you know, B-sci-fi horror, you know, or or B-horror from that era. Yeah. But it's just, it was just kind of like, oh, come on. Um, I don't know. There, there was some good moments to it, but it was just, it wasn't not what I was expecting at all. Um, it's definitely a lot more cerebral and I liked it for that. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I guess I was expecting something very different. I would have liked to have seen more of the, the aliens in the actual film instead of having to, you know, find the model or whatever it was years later. Yeah, that's interesting to me that you've seen the model because, like, I couldn't even tell you what the alien looked like. He's on the screen so little in the film that it's shocking to me that they actually have models of it. Yeah, there was, like, I I remember them advertised in, like, a sci-fi magazine a long fucking time ago. Oh, okay. Uh, So, you know, it just... Yeah, because they were they would advertise like Forbidden Planet models and and yeah. stuff, from, you know, all these old sci-fi movies, and like you know, they had like blueprints for the the saucer from Day of the Earth Stood Still, shit like right. that. Uh, but yeah, it was just I I remember seeing that, and I was thinking, oh, okay, so that was a monster movie, and and I just never sat down to watch it. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, the reason I uh, picked this one for this week was because it recently came out on Blu-ray. Um, and in the Blu-ray has the 2D and the 3D Blu-ray version of it, which obviously this film was released in 3D in theaters. Um, you know, it was back in that, that era when 3D was big for the first time. And, um, so I watched this one in 3D. So I watched two 3D movies this week with Transformers in this one. And, um, there are a couple moments where, like, at the beginning and when the spaceship's landing, where, like, the spaceship is, like, coming right at you. Um, but it didn't look fantastic, didn't look great. And uh, other than that, the 3D was not very worthwhile. It was kind of pointless. But, I mean, the Blu-ray comes with both for, like, $9. So, you know, no reason not to get it, but don't expect much from the 3D. Okay, fair enough. I I, yeah. I didn't have the 3D option, so. Right, yeah. Um. Yeah, but this one uh, was uh, directed by Jack Arnold, who um, also did um, like The Incredible Shrinking Man and uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, and so he has, you know, it's definitely a well-known director. Oh, and he, he uh, did some episodes of Gilligan's Island and all that, too. So, I mean, definitely a good director. And I think that sh- that um, his expertise was able to shine through. Um, I think it was a well-directed film. Um, it was just... I wanted more of the alien creature and I kind of wanted more to happen toward the end of it, which we won't spoil because we don't spoil in this section. Um, but yeah, so I ended up giving it um, like two and a half out of four stars for this one. What about you, Ash? Uh, same. Two and a half. Okay. Yeah. yeah Fair enough. Just, and it was, it was decent. And, uh, you know, if it was on like sci-fi or something, you know, I wouldn't turn it off. I might watch it again, but it's not something yeah. I'm going to go looking for again. Right. Exactly. Um, and then, um, it gave me four points because I've never seen it before. And obviously it gave you four points as well because of our bonus points this week. So that's always a good thing, yeah. but all right. So go ahead and talk about the haunting. Cause that's one I've, I thought I owned and then realized I didn't. And it was too late at that point. So, uh, go ahead and talk about the haunting a little bit. Okay, well, I've, uh, I actually had seen the 1999 remake of this movie, um, back in 99 when it came out. Uh, that one had Liam Neeson in it and uh, Lily Taylor and uh, 
a couple, uh, Owen Wilson's in it, and uh, someone else. Catherine Zeta Jones? Yes, uh, she's in it too. Um, that one, I guess, is not nearly as faithful to the book as this movie is, and that one is definitely more gory. Uh, just, to, just, and the, they use CG effects a hell of a lot more in that, you know, obviously than, than this version. Right. Um, that being said, I actually thought that the 60s version was slightly more engaging, although okay. the characters were, I like the characters more in the, uh, the, the remake. Um, the, the, the overall feel was more engaging in this one. Um, they, they, the interesting fact, this movie, uh, was directed by Robert Wise, and I, I know I shared it with you guys on, on, online, but, uh, uh, he directed a bunch of movies I'd seen before, including Dave oh, yeah. Stood Still and right. um, Star Trek The Motion Picture. And there was just like, you know, like a whole slew of movies that I'd seen that I was like, holy shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, very prolific. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, this one uses a lot of neat camera angles, especially for the fact that it's 60s. Um, hmm. They don't go in for the psychedelic effects because it is in black and white. Um, but they do use some interesting optical effects and things like that. And they, they actually manage to make, um, uh, a, like, you know, like things going on in the house seem plausible. Um, and, but it's not, it's not like heavy, you know, it's like you can tell there's something supernatural going on, but it's not, it's more sounds and closed doors and shit like that. It's not, you know, you're not going to see people like being flung across the room and stuff like that. Right. Um, but, uh, it, it's a little more personal, I think, and a little bit more interesting than the other one. The other one, uh, it, it deals, deals more into it. But the the thing that kind of irked me about this one is they spend the first, like, probably ten minutes of the movie setting up the house that they're going to. Mm. And which, which is okay. You kind of need that. But then they spend, the you know, there's other parts in the movie that they talk about what happened in the damn house. So it's just like just rendered the first ten minutes of the movie completely pointless and boring, and it was kind of pointless and boring. Um, but I, I mean, once it gets going, it's it's pretty decent. Um, the the place they shot it in was gorgeous. Um, but uh, Weiss chose a, or chose a lot of great camera angles and set up his shots really well for this one. There's a actually there's this um, this tracking shot. I make mention of it because it was I I was like holy shit that looks awesome. Um, there's this uh, staircase. Uh, it's one of those spiral staircases, and it goes up like four floors. And they follow a, char a character going up the staircase using a camera mounted on the rail of the staircase, but it looks like it's just kind of following them up. And oh, cool. it, it, so they use the rail as a dolly. So it just it looks amazing. I was just That's like, awesome. wow, <laughs> that looks great. Um, but uh, I for a for a early 60s haunted house movie though it was pretty good i enjoyed it um i can't say that i would prefer either or because i would watch mm -hmm. either of them again i uh, either okay. the remake or this one um i'd give this one i give this one a three out of four and i would give oof probably the remake i'd give it either a two and a half or a three also because it, it okay it, it stumbles a little bit but it's got some good mo really good moments to it too so um perfect but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so if you haven't seen the remake, 
then you could obviously watch that during week five of CSAC 6, because that is remake, reboot, and reimagining week. So get those extra bonus points. So fantastic. Thanks for watching that one and talking about it. So that will be that for this week. So next week, we are going to continue our Transformers arc with a review of Transformers Age of Extinction from 2014. And we'll also be reviewing the featured film of CSSC 6, Week 4, with Darkman from 1994, Superhero Week. And that one I know I own, so I'll definitely be watching that one. Um, as always, if you have a question for the three of us here at the Cinefessions Podcast, please hit us up using the hashtag InFilmWeTrust for all of your questions you'd like us to answer on the show. And we're going to do our best to answer all of them. Again, make sure you tweet at us using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust. And if for some reason you're not on Twitter, give us a call at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact at for any question of the week options. You can also use Facebook or Instagram for that. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it might be that you're listening to us. Positive reviews help us get more listeners, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, so we really appreciate you taking the time to leave us those reviews. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media, and we love to interact with our listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so make sure you're following along on all three of those platforms. Also, Ash, where can we f- else can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, and on Tumblr, uh, DHGF Ash, A-S-H-E, on both. Perfect. And how about you, Mark? Uh, you can get me on Twitter, even though I pretty much just uh, repost my Instagram right now, uh, at uh, Mark, M-A-R-C, underscore Nadeau, N-A-D-E-A-U, or at uh, Instagram, at uh, mnado 2 Fantastic. And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1, P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. All right. So I want to thank everyone for listening to the 97th episode of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember... In film, we trust. We'll catch you next time. Yeah.